When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for the show that brings the magic right to your speakers. Ears up! What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show, Years Up Podcast. Here we are. We uh, This is the, the show that we've been talking about for a couple of months now. Um, this is the interview with Josh Freeze. And uh, normally, this is the part of the show where I just sort of BS and tell you, you know, how to buy stuff that we sell. Um, but I'm not going to do that because I value Josh's time too much. Josh is a, a very important, uh, you know, famous person. And uh, he doesn't want to hear me shill my Etsy page. So... <laughs> Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, I, so you know, we'll do all that stuff at the end, and you know, take our little break and everything. But uh, for I now, share, can I share my Etsy page? Please do. Actually, the whole interview, every response to my questions, should just be your Etsy page address, and that's really it. <laughs> anyway, Josh, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Yeah, I, I appreciate you uh, you being here, and it, it took a bit, um, you know, schedule wise. But uh, like I said, you're you, you are a busy dude, and uh, going through your history. And your musical history, you are a very busy dude. And I want to get to all that, but basically why you're here is your connection to Disneyland. Uh, you know, you started your musical career um, essentially playing at the Tomorrowland Terrace stage in Tomorrowland at Disneyland. And then uh, your your dad, of course, was the famous Stan Freeze who led the not only the uh, Disneyland band, but basically was chartered with creating the Disney World band. For yeah. a long time. So you're a big, uh, you have Disney in your blood, as they say, <laughs> I guess. I actually spent all afternoon talking about it with someone that I was recording with today because I was recording with this this young artist up in Los Angeles. She's probably, I don't know, 21, 22 years old. And uh, when, she, when I said, she says, Where'd you, you grew up in Southern California, right? I said, yeah, I grew up down there. And she actually is from, I'm going to get the name of the town wrong, but she lived, uh, it's funny that you guys are up in the East Bay because she's from the East Bay, uh, somewhere like near Walnut Creek. Okay. You know, somewhere in that area. Uh, Pleasant is Hill. It's called Danville. Danville. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> that, is that what it is? Danville? That, yeah, that's where I'm okay. from. <laughs> okay. She's from Danville, but but her family lives down here in Los Angeles now. And she goes, oh, so where in Southern California you grew up? I said, Orange County. And she goes, oh, she goes, she goes do you ever go to Disneyland? And I went, oh. <laughs> Don't get me started on Disneyland <laughs> stuff, right? And so we, she's a total Disney nerd. And so as we're like, and her parents showed up and her parents are really, really cool. And they love it as well. And it got to the point where like some of these musicians in the room and the engineers that were running the studio and the producer was like, you guys need to stop geeking out about this stuff. And like, we got like, we'd have to get back to work. You know, because I'm sitting there telling all these stories and telling my whole history. And when she said, you know, or when anybody says, 
you know, if you've been to Disneyland much, I say I literally grew up there. You know, it's like my parents growing up in Minneapolis, but they, they moved to Orlando in, I guess, 71, I think it was. Uh, when Disney World opened, my dad got the job conducting the Disney World band down in Orlando. So I was born at the end of 72 down there, but consider myself a California native because probably at about, you know, nine or 10 months old while I'm still in diapers and crawling and, you know, can't talk yet. Mm-hmm. We moved to my dad got transferred to Anaheim to work at Disneyland and conduct the band out here. So we came out here and all my earliest memories and even I've got pictures. My parents have all these pictures of my brother and I. We would like march up and down Main Street with the Disneyland band when I was you know, four. My brother's two with like plastic saxophones, like fake saxophones and clarinets and go to Town Square they, where they would do like a they used to do like a set or two early in the afternoon, like late morning in Town Square. And then the same marching band would then do like a jazz set or two in uh, at Carnation Plaza, which is no longer there. It's called something else now. I was there recently. And I never really walked past it much because it kind of they transformed it into something else a while ago. It's like another stage, but it's a little bit smaller and it's, it's there's some weird fantasy land tie in theme to it. It looks totally different than it looked yeah. in the 70s and 80s. And uh, but I go watch my dad conduct the big band. And that was really, you know, you were saying how my music career did start at Disneyland in Tomorrowland, which we'll get to in a minute. And, and it did. But I, I feel like my musical career really started when I was, you know, a toddler and just being at Disneyland watching all these great musicians play. And there was a lot of great musicians that came through that band. And Disneyland was, I think, a good place to work, especially for freelance musicians who were kind of would normally be living paycheck to paycheck and and scrambling for gigs. All of a sudden they go, oh, wow, I've got this gig where I can play five days a week and I've got my family has health insurance and uh, you know, I'm around a bunch of other great musicians and it, it's a steady thing. And that, that, that goes a long way. I think, you know, for uh, guys that would normally be freelance. So I, I grew up just watching these guys play and being around it all the time. And that's kind of what, you know, attracted me to, uh, to the drums. Like, you know, I, I, I attempted the trumpet for a minute, like at age six or seven, but I, and my brother and I used to laugh because we both went through a phase where we wanted to play trumpet. But once again, because of Disneyland, we didn't want to play regular trumpets. We wanted to play those super long, they're called Herald trumpets. Hmm. They're really, really long. And sometimes like, uh, the toy soldiers would play them in parades. Like they would <laughs> lip sync them. They'd have these long things. They'd walk around and pretend to be playing them. But yeah. there was guys that would go up in the castle and play them. And they looked really cool. They looked extra regal and majestic. Right. Yeah. And, uh, it's funny though, looking back at pictures, there's pictures, you know, when I said I played trumpet for a minute, there's pictures though, literally of me probably three years old or four years old, not knowing I was going to be a drummer and not practicing drums or, uh, specifically trying to play the drums, but lots of pictures of me with drumsticks mm-hmm. out of Disneyland, uh, you know, when I was, like I said, in pr- probably preschool or something. Uh, so I was running all the time. And also there was things like at Carnation Plaza, they'd always have these like kind of big band summer things that would happen there. And they would have like the Glenn Miller Orchestra one week wow. and the Tommy, Dory or, uh, Tommy Dorsey Orchestra and uh, Count Basie and the late great jazz drummer Buddy Rich, who was, you know, arguably one of the most famous and greatest 
drummers that ever lived. Uh, Buddy Rich, his big band would always play Carnation Plaza like the last week for the blowout of the summer. Like the last mm. week of summer, uh, the summer schedule of big bands would be the Buddy Rich band. And because of my dad's affiliation and because that was kind of his stage normally, uh, I'd get to sit like on the side of the stage and watch Buddy Rich play drums when I was nine, ten years old. And it just was mind-blowing. I've got great pictures with them. And uh, anyways... So my dad, I guess when I was about around that time, I was about 10 or 11. My dad starts hiring the music out at Disneyland mm-hmm. and he went to someone called him that was managing a band. Uh, the, they were the champions of junior star search. Okay. The junior star search was like, you know, before American Idol, right? They were star mm-hmm. search in the eighties and they had junior star search. And there was this band of these teenagers that, you know, were all, they, they were great. They were all great players and they played top 40 music and they had some originals, of course, but my dad hires them. They come out to Disneyland and, and I became fast friends with them. Um, that summer, summer 85, I like to, I like to brag that I've never really had a real job, you know, <laughs> you and, know I uh, was thinking that <laughs> I think the closest I ever had to having a real job, okay. I had a paper route, when okay. I was like in fourth grade for a minute, right? Yeah, sure. Paper route. Uh, but in the summer of 85, I shine shoes backstage at Disneyland. There's an area, yeah. uh, they're used, I don't know if it's still there or not, but Disneyland has a, uh, at least had a barbershop backstage just for the employees. Wow. It was called uh, the Cast Cutters or something like that. There's <laughs> a guy named Gary Dye. Gary Dye was the barber there for years and years and years. And we actually have pictures of me, I think, when I was like like a year and a half or two years old on my dad's lap uh, getting a haircut and crying uh, because, yeah, whatever, I was like an infant and I'm on my dad's lap. And it was actually this, I know I'm all over the place, so forgive me. I'm like talking. I, I start, as my wife calls it, bird walking. I start going this way. <laughs> but uh, we'll get back around to whatever I was trying to get at. Soon. It's all good, man. Um, I guess it's better, than, it's better than having a guest that doesn't talk, right? Yeah, I'm actually sort of uh, relieved. Because you're, you're basically copying my notes where it's like, here's a thing and then this tangent, and then maybe they tie together, yeah. but we'll see. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah, we've got this funny film that's like Super 8 where there's no sound, but they like dub in funny music in the background. But it's me <laughs> on my dad's lap getting my first haircut backstage at Disneyland. And I'm crying and they're all kind of laughing. He's like, oh my God, this poor kid. And of course they're not doing anything bad to me, but I'm really upset. I'm crying. And the Dapper Dan's, the uh, barbershop quartet, they're in there singing, trying to like cheer me up. <laughs> wow! But dude. you don't hear it. So you hear this goofy like elevator music in the background. And it's, you know, 1970s, super eight, crummy, grainy <laughs> film, you know? Uh, so cut to... You know, 11 years later, I'm 12 years old. And my dad's like, hey, Josh, for summer job, you want to shine shoes backstage at Disneyland? You know, I can we can teach you in 20 minutes how to shine shoes. Sure. I go, great. And what was cool is I got to go into work with my dad every day. Well, it didn't have to be every day. What was cool is it was this shoe shine stand or whatever with a seat you get up on, all that stuff right outside cast cutters and uh, and directly next door to where all the characters like checked in all their outfits and meds and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the great thing is that I had the shoe shine box that I could lock and unlock at the bottom, but 
I could go in whenever I wanted. I could work as long as I wanted. So it wasn't, I never had a boss like, you're going to be here at 9 a.m. tomorrow or you're fired. (laughs) Hey, you were five minutes late today. There's none of that. It's like show up and work as long as you want or not. You know, I mean, as much money as I felt like trying to make that day. So sometimes I'd be there for an hour and a half, two hours. Sometimes I'd be there all day long. I could not show, you know, I was kind of in and out of there all summer. And that's when that band was playing there. I became friends with them. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the summer, you know, I was jumping up and sitting in on songs. They'd have they'd let me come up and play a song with them. Oh, nice. And then they said, you, know, you should just join our band. We should have two drummers. And so I joined the band. I had all these cool electronic drums, right? So they said, oh, yeah, well, you know, we'll have an acoustic drummer on the side of the stage, and I'll play the electronic drums. So I worked out there uh, between 85 and 88. And, uh, you know, we played five sets a day uh, during the school year because we all went to school. I was the youngest one in the band. When I, when I started with them, I was 12, and the oldest guy was 18. And then the other four members were in between that, a 16-year-old, a couple 14-year-olds. Okay. Uh, yeah, we we play every weekend because we go to school during the week. And then during the summertime, we play like three or four nights a week, Damn. five sets a night. And uh, and it was awesome. I mean, I joke around. I said this three hours ago up in the valley when I was recording <laughs> today that I always say it's been downhill ever since then. <laughs> because it really was so much fun. It was really such a fun experience. I was 12, 13 years old. Not only did I want to play drums in front of people, that was exciting enough getting to perform in front of people, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but then to join the musicians union and actually get paid. So all my friends were like hating the fact they were having to mow someone's lawn for 10 bucks. (laughs) I was making like 300 bucks every weekend, you know, 400 bucks every weekend just playing the drums. I was like, this is insane. This is so great. Was that, uh, that was Polo, the band? Yeah, yeah, the band was called Polo. Yeah, and uh, and then by the time I was fifteen, we stopped working out there. I never wanted to go to Disneyland again. I was really? like, I'm here every day of my freaking life since I was born. I'm sick and tired of Disneyland. So I didn't go for a while. I would end up there for for a while. Like my dad say, "Hey, there's this thing on Saturday night, and we're having this dinner, or I'm getting an award for this or that." Or this, you know. <laughs> so we'd go there for things, that. but I never really paid much attention. You know, when I was my late teens, early twenties, I'm yeah. like, I'm, I'm over the Disney crap, right? Sure. And uh, it wasn't until we started. Uh, I met my wife when we started having kids that I then rediscovered it. <laughs> as an adult and uh and as a parent and then really like when i went back into enjoying it again uh getting into like the history of walt disney the person and his story and and his his uh you know rags to riches story and uh and i i i became kind of fascinated with that and also seeing it through my kids eyes but then also looking back and realizing, God, this is a huge part of my family. Like this has been my whole family, like my whole childhood was there, yeah. you know? And so we joke around, like even friends of mine that, you know, have had a rough childhood or something. They always go, well, Josh literally grew up at Disneyland. <laughs> like, he grew up at Disneyland. So like, you know, um, yeah. and uh, so, yeah, it's like, I've become one of those, uh, one of those weird adults that's really into Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> Are you, you all? Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah. Are you, hey, who's that? Who's where? Oh, someone jumped in the front. Oh, sorry. Oh. That was my daughter saying goodnight. <laughs> oh, how dare she? Right. How dare she? I'm going to cut her out of the show. Right. Um, are you, are you a Disney parks 
guy. Uh, well, I, I, I differentiate myself between like Disney movies, Disney movie people, like Disney brand people, or like Disney parks people. I'm a Disney parks person. Yeah. Okay. Same yeah. too. Yeah. Cause yeah, it, I mean like, I mean the brand, yeah, it's great. Whatever. I mean, I've got, uh, I just found the other day, one of my kids must've had, it and I didn't see it for a while, but I have this great, like light green and yellow. It looks, it looks vintage, but it's not, it's probably about four years old. The great Tiki room shirt. Oh, oh damn. You know, I got to show you. Yeah, do it. It's literally, no, no, no. It's something else. And it's going to take about, it's probably going to take, Less than 60 seconds for me to grab. Do it. And Do you it. have to see. It's right outside, uh, rotting away outside. I got to show it to you. Just talk I hope, about yourselves. I'll I hope it's a, a full Mickey Mouse head. And That'd be amazing. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a pers- it's a cast member in the costume. He's like, Josh, let me go home. It's been 40 years. Please. <laughs> Leave me alone. I want to see my family. I'm assuming they're still alive. <laughs> his life is a dream. Life could or be his, a dream. His childhood. I love that. It's just like, yeah, here, I got this thing. Hold on. And he's very excited about it. That's I love it. fun. Well, he's a drummer. I mean, if he's excited, I'm excited about I know. it. Well, I know. Because totally- <laughs> what is it going to be? It literally, it could be anything. It's a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> and that's sort of what I ask him. Like, have you stolen stuff from the park? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you, you got to do it, especially if you're 12 and you see something behind, you know, backstage. Like, <laughs> literally, nobody's going to miss this. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to snag this. I would 100% be that person. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, this thing's been in the same place for like a year, and I go out to look at for it in the dark, and I yell to the house. It's not there. And I said to my son, where'd that thing go? He's like, it's in the basement. Okay, so this used to be, this used to be brightly colored. It had all the Tiki Room characters, the, the little Tiki gods that are outside in the, uh, in the garden there. Whoa. You could hit a light. And, uh, I mean, it obviously didn't have holes in the roof. We <laughs> <laughs> hit a light and the whole thing lit up like at night. Oh, and this thing dude. in the front, this is a Chinese room, would all light up. It's all like stuff's falling off on me. It's like, oh, so wow. what happened was I made the mistake years ago. It was beautiful. It was only 300 bucks originally. Um, I want to say they're almost impossible to find now. And I saw one on eBay for like 1300 bucks a while ago. It was beautiful. It was awesome. Somehow my kids started messing with it. All the pieces eventually got uh, <laughs> lost. Even the, yeah. uh, the the god Pele, who the fire comes out, uh-huh. had a yeah. little fire thing, and you could flip the back of him, flip the back of the switch, and the fire, uh, there's a light that lit up on top of his head. Yeah. It was so freaking cool. That's awesome. And, uh, and so anyways, over time, it started getting messed with, and then a kid this, and then that, <laughs> and then things, pieces got lost, and then then maybe a dog peed on it and it went outside for a minute. Then it got rained on. Anyways, my wife a couple years ago was like, this thing, I mean, it's trashed. Right? It is trashed. <laughs> yeah. And my, my wife was like, we got to throw this thing. Away. I mean, it's, jo- you know, it's big. It's like, huge. Let's just throw that damn thing out. I'm like, yeah. no, just let that thing like, live in the yard, like in the corner. <laughs> and we'll let stuff grow on it. And it'll just Hell become, yeah. you know, so it's been on the side of our house forever. And I uh, so I go just now in the dark. I'm like, oh, I'll grab it. I know exactly where it is. I saw it yesterday. I go up there. They were cleaning in the yard, and it's not there. So I'm having to like bang in the house. Like, oh, room. Give me uh, the thing. So I'm really, I'm always sad. I'm glad I still have it. I'm really sad that it's in such horrible shape because it was so cool before. Um, but uh, you know, it's funny we're talking about this because these people. I was telling you this this girl I recorded with this afternoon in the studio. We talked a bunch of Disney stuff, and uh, 
and yeah, the parks, it's like, you know, so yeah, I like some of the memorabilia. I've got some, maybe I'll have my wife grab some. I've got some great haunted mansion figurines and stuff in the house. Awesome. I don't have a big collection. I don't have a, like a room where you go, Oh my gosh, I got this Disney stuff. I just see there's little things kind of around the house, you know? I, um, I think that's the way to go. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. That's you a know, good there's not, Like you don't want, I mean, <laughs> no offense if anyone's got a crazy ass Disney room. I don't have a Disney room, but I've got Disney stuff <laughs> yeah. throughout the house, little bits and pieces of things. Not back here. This is my wife's kind of office back here. But, uh, this afternoon, when we when I was talking with these people, it's like I kind of went through the whole the fact that you know the only park I've never been to is the one in Shanghai, which I heard is great. I mm-hmm. heard it's really big. It's really nice. Yeah, I I have to say my least favorite one is Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Why is that? Yeah. Have you, have you guys ever been, have you been no. to, to many other Disney parks? All, uh, only Disney World. I think actually Disney I can World? say that for all of us. Yeah, just just uh, East and West Coast. That's it. Well, I've been to Disney Japan. But oh, that's right. You've been to Tokyo Disney. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but, cool. but she was like eight or something. She no, I was remember. 18, but I, oh, for some reason, can't remember thing. any of it. <laughs> well, the drugs. You know, I've been to shrimps. I've been to Tokyo Disneyland probably three or four times, but... Uh, what I think is really cool, and next time I'm in Japan, last time I went there to the, the Tokyo one, mm-hmm. it's because it was pouring rain, and I, I went by myself when I, we were there, and I only had a, a, like a couple nights off, and no one really wanted to go. I said, screw it. I'm just going to go like trip around by myself. It would be awesome. Yeah, dude. But while I was going there, it's about a half an hour outside of downtown Tokyo. It started raining, and I'm there, and I'm going, oh, this kind of this kind of sucks. So, uh, But what's great is their sister park, just like here we have, you know, uh, California Adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, their sister park is, is called Disney Sea. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. and it's super cool. That's like, what I next hear. Time I'm in Japan, I might just go to Disney Sea and not go to the Magic Kingdom. You got to do it. You got to do it. It's really interesting looking. It's really cool, and uh, it's. I've heard. Uh, I don't watch a lot of these guys, but I know because I think I met him years ago. There's the Imagineer is kind of famous because he's always in some special talking about stuff and he's not one of the old guys he's one of the i mean he's probably 60 now but he was one of the younger guys is tony baxter, tony baxter. Yeah, yeah 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 and tony baxter i read somewhere or saw him say that i think he thinks disney sea is the most beautiful and the coolest looking park out of any of the other parks wow it's really unique and special and yeah. different than any of the other places you'll see um we were laughing today, and I told the story that the first time I went to Paris Disneyland, I've, I've been to Paris Disneyland probably probably half a dozen times, okay. and uh, and it's it's cool. I like the Paris Disneyland a lot, and uh, but the first time I went there, you know, the punk rock band I've played in since I was seventeen, the Vandals, the Vandals are all Disney guys. Are they um, really? Oh yeah, I can't. Well, you're 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 fracturing my childhood right now. <laughs> I don't me, know how me, to like. Rephrase, I'm going to rephrase that. Okay. Joe Escalante and the Vandals is such a big Disney guy alongside me that it makes every one of the Vandals seem like Disney guys. <laughs> the other guys don't mind Disney that they, they like it, but they're not. Joe and I are the Disney freaks. You're the Disney the freaks. You guys are like, yeah, yeah Disney is cool. You know, okay. they, you know, whatever. All right. But. In 1997, the Vandals, we were in Europe and we were on tour opening up for No Doubt. And it was one of their first times playing in Europe and they were, they had just become kind of, you know, famous. And we're playing these bigger, you know, big arenas and big uh, venues. And when we were going to get to Paris, 
you know, when we realized, oh, we're going to be in Paris and we're not going to have a day off, but we all, you know, and we'd all been to Paris before, maybe only once or twice, but we've been there before. Uh, we didn't have a day off, but we've re- we realized, okay, if we blow off soundcheck, <laughs> we could conceivably, if we wake up early, we could take the subway because it's about, you know, I don't know, it's about 40 minutes outside of town. Uh, we could go to Disney, spend the afternoon at Disney and get back at like, I don't know safely get back at like six, you know, six o'clock and play our gig. Right. And so we were gone all day. The, the no doubt folks, it might've been maybe their first time there or whatever. Once again, we didn't have any time off. So they're rushing around trying to see, you know, the Eiffel tower and the Louvre and all this stuff. And they could not believe, and no one else could believe they're like, we have one afternoon in Paris and you jackasses went to Disneyland. We all from Orange County. <laughs> Don't we all already live there? I'm like, yeah, we got it. But when we went, uh, interestingly enough, we didn't work. We didn't plan for it to be like this or anything, but we happened to go there on the, the fifth. It was the, the exactly the five year anniversary of the day that we went there. And, uh, and of course, you know, before we got there, I said to my dad, I said, Hey dad, let's pick a date, you know, dad, April 15th, you know, we're going to be in a, in Paris, you know, can you hook us up with tickets? He's like, Oh yeah, I can hook you up with guys. You guys with tickets. <laughs> Great. So we get there and also me growing up and like my dad, especially back then when Disney was a little less corporate, it was easier to get around. I mean, I would spend every weekend, we would just like all my friends in the neighborhood would pile into my dad's station wagon. We would just drive right backstage and let us out right behind Space Mountain and run around. <laughs> wow. We didn't have to sign anybody in. We didn't have to go through any metal detectors. We didn't have to take any trams anywhere. We literally just would, or he'd drop us off right behind somewhere in Main Street. We'd walk out right behind the Penny Arcade or Disneyland, you know? So that was how, I didn't see a parking lot. I didn't see the Disneyland parking lot until I was about 20 years old. <laughs> But literally, wow. my whole life, I we would just go directly behind there. That's and I was like, "That's I so rad." It weird. It was actually weird to me when I started having to park outside <laughs> and go in. I was like, what the hell? So, anyways, me growing up, my dad knew everybody. It was really sociable and whatever. And uh, so I just thought my dad like ran Disneyland. I forgot he just was part of the music division. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, but I thought he was like the vice president of Disneyland. Right. So we go over to Paris. I'm like, yeah, of course, man, that's gonna hook us up. We get there. We wait in the will call line to get our tickets. We get up there, uh, and I say, yeah, you know, Josh Freeze, I should have four tickets here. And they look, and they go, no, there's nothing here. Like, yeah, yeah, check again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stan Freeze left them uh, for me, and there should be four tickets for today. They look again. No. There's like, no, see your name. I'm like, trust me. Like, you know, and my dad even told me, hey, if there's a problem – Say so and so's name and so and so's name. So I'm name dropping names. They're looking at me like, "Damn, what are you talking about." <laughs> yeah. You then speak in French to someone. They call someone over. They're looking at the thing and they pointing to me and it's <laughs> and they look. I go and I'm like, they realize I'm not going to take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the line is getting longer behind me, and I turn around and people are like going, "What the hell is happening <laughs> up there? Like, what is going on?" I'm up there for 10, 15 minutes. The, the guy finally just goes, "Here." He just gives me four tickets. Like, you know, <laughs> like, wow. you don't want to deal with me anymore. I'm very European. Like, wow, we weren't really on the list after all. But I just, I, I was determined, and I must have looked like someone that knew that was supposed to have tickets. It yeah. was like, hey, we could maybe get four tickets. Um, uh, I was like. 
come on, I'm on the list. Look again. Yeah. You know? uh, Mickey Mouse <laughs> left tickets for me. Guys, this will work. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we went and, and it was great. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was all special for me going to one of the new parks after going to Disneyland 17,000 times. It was always a trip, like going where you go, okay, I'm walking down Main Street. Now I'm going to make a left and be in Adventureland. But you make a left and there's some like, maybe fantasy lands there. Like, whoa, no, no, no. That's supposed to be there. <laughs> yeah. I thought, and so you're like, well, yeah, I'm not at Disneyland, you know? That's how being at Disney World was, for sure. Especially uh, where it's like you, you walk down Main Street and you're automatically sort of in the Twilight Zone because things are the same, but they're wider mm-hmm. you know yeah. and like corridor like there's a walking path you're like where i don't and this is i don't i don't know what's happening right now and then you're like liberty square like i'm really lost i have no <laughs> idea what's going on i bet that's disorienting i said uh one analogy that i made was like uh especially i, I did a funny i i shortened it down to one minute so i could put it on instagram but when i went to hong kong disneyland uh when i left it was like uh well no even some of the other parks it's kind of like uh, it's like you're hearing your favorite song that you've heard a thousand times before, but it gets to a section of the song while you're singing and all of a sudden it changes. And you're like, <laughs> what? Well, no, no, that's not supposed to happen on the bridge of that Beatles song. I've heard it a million times. Yet. Well, what is that? Yeah. You make a left turn and it, all of a sudden, just when you think you've got it all figured out, it's totally upside down. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, you know, what was cool about the Hong Kong Disneyland is, uh, I was really excited. It was the first time I went to any Disney park on my own was this time that I went. Mm. And, and uh, the people I was on tour with, I was there with Sting and his band. And not only, you know what? I didn't think I invited anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I wanted to go better. by myself. I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put on a backpack. I'm going to take like the, the subway. Yeah. And I'm just going to go hang up by myself and not have anybody slowing me down and go, no, I don't want to do that. Or why are we here doing that? You know, I'm just going to go and do whatever I want to do. And I get there. And one bummer was it was really hot and humid that day. It was in the summertime, but, uh, but it was really empty mm. and it was so cool. And I did this little, I, I, I edited it down to one minute, but I put up a post of my little within 60 seconds, my day at Hong Kong Disneyland. Yeah. And when I walked in, I go, uh, I go, God, this looks a lot like, you know, when you first walk in town square, looks a lot like, and they had the fire station and city hall. And I go, this looks a lot like Disneyland, but you know, what I really like, I go, there ain't nobody here. <laughs> it was like, empty. you could like roll a bowling ball almost down main street and not hit anybody. Wow. It was pretty wild. It was really empty. And, uh, but I went on Thunder Mountain there. Okay. Oh, no, you know, it's funny. It wasn't you. The, earlier, the, the the dad that I was talking to was like, I love Thunder Mountain. He was talking about how much he loved Thunder Mountain. Oh. And uh, I'm going to tell you one more little quick thing, then I'll let you ask something because you kind of like <laughs> I think two of the best roller coasters, by the way, yeah, let's do it. are both in Paris. Is the Space Mountain in Paris and the Thunder Mountain in Paris. The Space Mountain in Paris is fast as hell. It starts by you're up like this mm-hmm. and you go, but it just shoots you up. And you're like, holy, and you go up and uh, there's, it goes upside down. You know, it goes, goes upside, upside down. Born in the wow. dark, which Space Mountain does not do, right? Bro, no. <laughs> really fast. Uh, and it is a little more intense uh, than, uh, than the Space Mountain Anaheim. And then what's cool about the Thunder Mountain ride in, in, uh, in Paris is you board on the, uh, on land and it's right by, it's, it's kind of like nearish kind of where it is, like in Anaheim, like right there, the river's there. Mm-hmm. 
But instead of Tom Sawyer's Island on the other side, yeah. that's where Thunder Mountain is. But you mm. board here, you get there's an entrance here, you get on the train, and it goes in a tunnel under the water, <sighs> and you come up on this island, and the whole ride takes place out on this island. And then when the ride's done, you haul back and, and you that's tight out of the water and you come back to land. God, it's, I it's, love it. It's, it's, the Thunder it, Mountain is like floating in the middle of this island, on this island in the middle of the water. It feels like a lot of the European parks have cooler stuff than we do. Yeah, well, you, you know what's funny is, uh, it, you know what it is? I, I want to say that the, it might be the biggest uh, castle is the one in Paris. I might be wrong. Maybe because they have a hotel in there, right? You can, they have like room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I think. not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure, possibly. Um, Wild. But, anyways, I mean, I could, sorry, I can go on and on about <laughs> weird little anecdotes. <laughs> no, and, and I want you to, but I do have some questions. You know, you were talking Tokyo Sea or uh, Tokyo Disneyland. Your dad worked in Tokyo Disneyland, did he not? Did I get that right? Yeah, he, yeah, he did, but I mean, he would do a bunch of consulting for them and then. He would fly over there once in a while and be over okay. there for like a month. But it was always just kind of like maybe to oversee some things and maybe help them get something into shape. And then he would leave. Okay. But he, he never spent a whole lot of time there. Got it. But he definitely did more consulting in. I don't know of him going to do anything in, in, in Paris or in China, mm-hmm. but definitely in Florida and definitely in uh in Japan, he's got over to help with stuff, you know. Okay. And you were talking about, uh, you know, when when you guys moved from Florida to Orange County, uh, I happened upon a, a news, or not even a news clip, it was like a talk show with your dad and uh, and some lady. And he was, he, the way he tells the story about the way you guys basically fled Florida <laughs> was because he's like, I can't take the 100% humidity, it's 100 degrees, and the alligators and the snakes were too much. Like, I couldn't deal with it. <laughs> so Those would be all of my reasons as well. <laughs> in my too. I'm like, God, this guy's like in my head. <laughs> yeah. But I found that really funny where you're like, well, he, you know, he transferred back to Anaheim. It's like, no, he left. <laughs> Yeah, you know it's funny. I'm not sure. I got to ask him. And actually, I, I really don't know this answer. But I forget if he raised his hand and said, "Can I please go work in Anaheim?" It sounds or like it. Just said, "You're going to Anaheim." I, I don't know how. <laughs> I've never even thought about that. I just know we yeah. transferred. But maybe you put in a request. Maybe I don't know. It's, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I think he was there for two years, um, and uh, yeah, and then and then he and then he he ripped back. Uh, you know, ripped to. Uh, to Anaheim. So how long was he the, uh, the Disneyland band leader? Well, from 71 to, uh, God, uh, probably Actually, about, I, I could I be wrong, it. but probably till about 83 or 84. And that's when he got the promotion to oversee all the live music. And then he was in charge of, you know, here you go. The, the marching band and the rock band and the jazz band and the Dixieland band and the Dapper Dance and any, any live music that was happening there. He was, one of the guys that was in charge of, as I say, kind of hiring and firing of musicians mm-hmm. out there and kind of making sure that all the shows were running smoothly. And, uh, and then, you know, it's funny. I know he did miss, he was great. I remember going to see him with the Disneyland band, uh, incarnation Plaza do these jazz sets. And he was a great MC. Like, you know, he really always, he didn't just conduct the band. Like he was kind of a ham and he'd have to, the. You know, talking between songs and he carried the whole show, you know? Sure. And uh, I remember watching that when I was a kid, I thought that was the actual doing this wasn't nearly as impressive to me as just the fact that he could kind of command the microphone and 
and do that. You know, yeah. I've been on stage my entire life, but I've never had to be on the microphone. The microphone actually kind of terrifies me for a guy, for a guy that could talk this much. Yeah. Well, that's you know, probably why I'm on stage. Someone gives me a microphone. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's overload. Well, I mean, it shows the drums. I can kind of hide behind the drums and that's right. You know, well, and until you have the, the Josh cam and then, you know, and then yeah. people get to see you smile all the time. Uh, you know, it's in researching the show and researching your dad, your dad was on hee haw. Yeah. A lot. Wow. And yeah, yeah, and so on his YouTube channel, I think there's like only four or five videos. Uh, so you should trade out the stand for easy. But, you know, he would write songs for the tuba. He's a big tuba player. Sousaphone, I think, is what it is. Yeah, yeah. And he would write these skits and write these songs, like sort of like country western songs, but about the tuba. It's, it's wow. sort of classic, yeah. but it, it sort of like mimics your career in a way, like with the Vandals, like, you know, and then your solo work, sort of writing these, you know, funny, you know, uh, I don't want to say off color. Yeah. I mean, for, you know, it's a, a country song about a tuba, but <laughs> it's, you know, things that you don't really expect. And so I can definitely see him emceeing, leading a band because he, I mean, he's, that was 30 years, you know, after he was on TV, on Hee Haw, for God's sakes. Yeah, 60s. yeah. And so I think that that when he was, uh, when he went to kind of like have his now kind of office job, even though he was around the park all day long, he wasn't just sitting behind a desk. Um, but, you know, when he had the promotion of, 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 of overseeing all the live music, he missed it after a while. And so mm-hmm. he kind of like, it's almost like, he kept his job as, as music supervisor. Uh, I don't know exactly what his title was, but I just know that he had everything. He oversaw the live music. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it got to the point where at one point they needed a conductor, you know, for the Disneyland band, they were, or they needed a sub for a month or whatever it was. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to hire myself. Damn it. And he <laughs> kind of started doing it part time again. Okay. Really enjoying it. Or like sometimes he, I forget it was a time. It was during a time when I wasn't going out there a lot between the ages of, you know, whatever, yeah. 15 and 25 or something, you know? Yeah. And so I just remember the back of my head going, he'd be like, Oh yeah, I'm conducting the band this week or every night this week I'll be out at Carnation Plaza. And so he kind of would do it just because it was fun for him. And he, he didn't get to be on stage doing his shtick anymore. Now that he was a, a suit so to say, right. you know, yeah. so to speak. So <laughs> that's cool, man. So you were, you know, you're growing up in SoCal in, you know, late seventies, early eighties. Uh, and that was a big, you know, big music time back there. The SoCal punk scene was, was just growing and, and turned out to be super influential. But how does, how does a Disneyland kid get involved in, I don't know what you could sort of classically call like anti Disney sort of, you know, music scene. Well, what's funny. Well, the, the thing is, it just worked out the way it worked, but the Vandals, what's cool about the Vandals, the Vandals are an interesting group of people. And, <laughs> uh, and in the way that, for instance, I'll give you a good example, you know, with this punk rock band that, you know, goes on, you know, uh, whatever, all, all these tours, all these other punk rock bands, but there's, there's not a single one tattoo amongst the four of us. Hmm. No one in the Vandals has a tattoo. So okay. we'll be hanging out like on, uh, I remember one time some of the guys from Rancid, we were on the work tour one summer with them, and they were on a bike. We were making hot dogs already. A joke got this thing called the Hot Diggity Dogger out of Sky Mall, where you can put, it's like a toaster oven, where on each side you can put buns, and then you put the hot dogs in the middle, and you toast the buns, and you can do like four hot dogs and four buns at the same time. That's road food, yeah. That is efficient. Yeah. I literally 
almost bought that <laughs> so many times. I'm, I, yeah. I swear to God, I'm well, not kidding. Leave it to the vandals. The vandals will buy that and bring it on tour. So we had our tour bus yeah. and people all day long, no effects, Blink-182, Rancid, they all come by and want us to, they're like, let's go, you know, do shots and eat hot dogs with the van <laughs> tour bus. And we'd be making hot dogs all day. And <laughs> Joe even found out, that, I don't know if they still make it, but at least that some, Joe's the kind of guy, um, he's a Club 33 member, by the way. I got, I got him as wow. Club 33 membership. Oh, so, damn. That's a whole other story. All right. But, um, all right. But Joe's an interesting, he's, to say he's interesting is an understatement, but he would, uh, he's the kind of guy that would know about this. And that summer, aside from having the hot diggity dogger, we had Heinz 57 ketchup, you know, the squeeze bottle, but we had purple and uh, purple and blue or blue and green. <laughs> it was, but it, it was just. It, I vaguely remember. It. Yeah. Like it the colored ketchup. That summer, or maybe you can, I don't know. Maybe you can go to, yeah. Maybe go to Vaughn's right now and get <laughs> maybe, uh, yeah. green ketchup. I don't know. It's just food coloring. Yeah. But people would strip out the like. Not only you guys making hot dogs, but your ketchup is green or purple. Literally, purple ketchup tastes exactly like ketchup, but you're having purple hot. You know, yeah. So, so the the Vandals, um, on one hand, yeah, we're the only band in the world, maybe a punk rock band or any kind of rock band that there's not a single tattoo amongst the four of us. Oh wow! And uh, and, and so, anyways, I met them. The way I met them is uh, I'll make this short because I'll get to the, the punchline is sort of a, I, I met the guitar player Warren through a, uh, uh, a mutual friend. That's a record producer in Orange County okay. and you know, all the music's happening up in LA and Hollywood, right. With all the recording studios and stuff. So Orange yeah. County is kind of a, uh, smaller pond down here. You know, there's fewer. So when you hear about a record producer, like, Oh, there's, there's a famous record producer, like, you know, there's not a lot of famous record producers in Orange County. At least there wasn't 30 years ago. <laughs> and um, so I, I knew this guy, uh, John St. James. He introduces me to Warren and Warren lives in Huntington Beach and goes, you know what I'm doing right now? He's not the original guitar player in the Vandals, but, you know, mm-hmm. at this point, the lineup's been the way it is for 30 years. So most people don't know or care. There was even any other people in the Vandals before us. Yeah. Me and Warren. But Warren right. goes, you know, I'm playing guitar with that, that band, the Vandals right now. Because this guy, John wanted me and Warren to meet up and like start a band. Said, okay. Oh, you guys would get along great. Right. Uh, Cause I'm playing guitar in the Vandals right now uh, as well. And actually we kind of needed a drummer. And so I said, Oh, that's interesting. I, I knew the name. I didn't know much about him. Okay. I was like 16. But I was like, Oh yeah, I know who that band is. And I was, thought the name was cool for a, a punk rock band, the yeah. Vandals. I'm like, oh, what a cool name. Um, and the fact that I'd heard of them and they had records out, I was like, Whoa, that's really cool. It's really big time. Right. Um, so he goes and tells Joe Escalante, the bass player and Dave Quackenbush, the singer, he says, Hey, I met this guy. He's only 16. Uh, and he used to play, I guess he played drums out of Disneyland for a while. And Joe and Dave, and Joe tells the story in this Vandals home movie documentary thing. Joe goes, I think, Oh my God. He's like, he didn't play in that band polo. <laughs> Is he one of those guys? And, and Warren's like, I think that was his band. So anyways, yeah. Joe and Dave being at the time 19, 20 years old, living in Orange County. And back when you go to Disneyland, you could go, when you went on Monday, there'd be nobody there. Sure. Like you could pick a day and show up and nobody was there. Yeah. I mean, meaning you get on there now, forget about it. All bets are off. It's always crowded, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so anyways, there was lots of 
If it was raining out, you could go to Disneyland at 85, and because it was raining out, there would be nobody there. Now it's like tons of people go because they go, no one's going to go today because it's raining. <laughs> I don't go, including me. Right. Yeah. And it was freaking empty, man. And uh, sometimes. So anyways, and also you could probably get an annual pass for, I don't know, 60 bucks, 70 bucks. I'll probably give it to you for free. So Joe gave that annual passes and they'd go out there all the time. And as Joe explains in this Vandals documentary, he goes, one of our favorite things is we'd go by and see this band of teenagers playing Duran Duran songs and Huey Lewis in the news. And he goes, on one hand, we thought this is so like lame and goofy. (laughs) On the other hand, we're like, God, these kids are really actually really good musicians. Like (laughs) really good, you know? And, uh, and so here it is. We meet, you know, a few years later and uh, and they're like, Man, we used to come see your band all the time, you know, Damn. half clowning it. Half sure. the would go and look at these guys. <laughs> of course. And, you know, you have but, uh, to. Yeah, they saw us plenty of times out there. And um, Joe was always like, oh, my God, my dream is to be a Club 33 member. And I was like, well, you know that you can't just even if you have the money, you can't just show up and go, I want a membership. Like there's all this red tape and there's this. You know, mystery waiting lists. Yeah. We've tried and you never hear back. And you're like, oh. Yeah, all that stuff, right? So my dad says to me, and my dad and Joe uh, get along really well and and our friends. And my dad one day calls me, this is about 20 years ago. And he goes, I just hung out with one of the top guys at Club 33. And I pitched Joe. (laughs) And I think that I'm going to be able to get him the opportunity to pay to get a Club 33 membership. Wow. I called Joe. Joe's freaking out. Oh, my God. He goes and has his, like, interview or whatever. And, you know, at the time, also, Joe, when I met Joe, he was putting himself through law school. Yeah. And uh, he was a substitute teacher during the day and and going to law school and playing the Vandals at night. My parents (laughs) just thought that was so cool. Like, oh, finally, Josh got this respectable friend. (laughs) Teacher. And so my dad goes... Another time, I think Joe had a job at CBS Television. He was in the legal department of CBS. My dad goes, I went on this whole, you know, full court press about how great Joe is and this and that. I talked about CBS Television. I talked about all of his legal work. He goes, the one thing I didn't say is that he plays in a punk rock band called The Band. <laughs> yeah. I left that out. But uh, now everyone there thinks it's cool. And of course, if, I go, if Joe makes me a reservation there, which... He did. I took my 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 daughter who turned thirteen last week. Uh, nice. And we went out last week. I took her Congrats. to lunch there. It was the first time we were having lunch there, and uh, nice. we went. And the waiter was like, "I've met you before. You got friends with Joe, and I know that you know you play in the battles and this and that." And so through Joe, he's been a member for twenty years now, hmm. and um, over the years, I'd go once in a while to the uh, uh, the dining room, like the mm-hmm. formal dining room, which is all they had. Yep, and, yeah. and when I say once in a while, I've probably been there like two times or three times, like over the course of like fifteen years. Yeah, okay. But then recently, like within the last five, six, seven years, they opened up. They made the formal dining room a little bit smaller, and they've got this big, like, nice lounge. Just like this. Yeah, the the jazz bar. Yeah, the jazz bar. Yeah, yeah. No that's the one jazz- with the piano. That's the one yeah. with the piano. Yeah. That okay. thing slaps, dude. I love the jazz bar. Have you been to the jazz bar? We yeah. had one time we have a friend uh, who got us all and sort of rotated us <laughs> uh, through. And yeah, I've been to the jazz bar one time. Phenomenal. If I was a member, I would probably only go there because Taryn and I were lucky enough to go to Club 33 before the, the retrofit. 
Um, right. I mean, it was like a wood paneling and you had the trophy room and then it was like, whoa, this is yeah. almost too intense. It was like very old school forties yeah. LA. Right. And then now it's yeah. pastel and like bone white and gold fringe. <laughs> I'm like, ah, it's not, I would rather sit in the jazz bar. Yeah. It's a little looser there. Right. So yeah. like, uh, when the interesting thing too, is the jazz bar. Okay. So Joe can make me a reservation and doesn't need to be there. Like he, I said, Hey man, can I go next week, Thursday or Friday? He called me back. He goes, how about Thursday at two o'clock? I can get you and your daughter uh, a lunch reservation in the formal dining room. Great. And it's the first time I've been there in like probably 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can make a reservation and he doesn't have to be with me. But the jazz bar, you don't need a reservation, but you have to be with a member. Mm-hmm. So he can't make me a reservation to go hang out in the jazz bar. He's got to be there, but Bam. we can show up that afternoon and go, let's go have something to eat and a drink up in the jazz bar. And so we can just show up unannounced, but yeah. it's only for members or you have to be with a member there, okay. but you don't have to worry about the reservation stuff. So my kids have been up there ah, two or three times. And, uh, and, but it was the first time that I took any of my kids to the, uh, the, the formal dining room. But it's funny because me growing up thinking about how special it was and having never gone there until I was about 20 years about yeah, 20 years old or so. Mm-hmm. Just because my dad worked there, just because everyone liked my dad didn't mean that he was going to Club 33 or could was even allowed to go to Club 33. You know what I mean? It's kind sure. of a weird thing, right? Right. So I grew up there, but I'd never gone there. So I'd always heard the mystery of it. So it's extra special to me when I started going there. My kids are like, yeah, they think it's cool that it's the secret place or whatever. But after a while, they're like, can we just go back and go on the Matterhorn? Or it's like, a restaurant yeah. to them. Yeah. Well, and I think the line is for pirates. Or like, <laughs> well, I think part of it was because, you know, back then club 33 before the, the retrofit was sort of like, I don't know why I call it a retrofit. It's a totally like deconstructed and rebuilt kind of thing. But it was like, is there really a secret like thing? You know, you didn't really know. Mm-mm. But now right. it is, oh, yeah, Club 3, you know, for sure. And then so I, I could see it sort of like loses some of the mystique about it, which, you know, I think is sort of classically Disney in, in some some ways that they do stuff like that. But uh, that is, um, yeah, it's still cool. I mean, it's still it's still a fun, still a fun thing. Have you been to the the the, the club in um, DCA, the 1901 club? I haven't. That place is rad. You should try to. I wonder if Joe can get you in because it's like I know there's now there's I I think there's tiers of Club 33 membership. Yes. And so some you can go over to the 1901 Club and it's just like a drinks bar off of Carthay Lounge. Carthay. Yeah. Carthay Lounge. Yeah. 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 It's cool. You said it's cool. Yeah. It's nice because it's it's low lit. You know, it's um, it's more like 30s vibe, if this makes any sense, where it's like the the chairs feel like either they're leather or like velvet almost. No, they're like super nice leather. Like yeah. it reminded me of like if you were sitting in like the the Imagineer lounge it, and Walt is sitting next to you and just <laughs> yeah. offered you like a scotch. A scotch like, and four packs of cigarettes. That's like the vibe. Yeah. <laughs> Where, where, where is it? It's right off of the Carthay Lounge. So if, like, if you're facing the Carthay Lounge doors... Why the, am I not picturing the Carthay Lounge? It's um, in DCA, you know, at the end of Buena Vista Street, when you're walking straight down, like, the, the movie theater looking... Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's around the right corner of that is the entrance. It's totally nondescript. It's actually so really hard to see. Yeah. No, I've really never seen it. it what's that? I've never seen it. I have no idea where it is. is near, like if you make a right, like you're going to go to the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, something. Uh, yeah, something like that. 
Yeah, it's okay. it's just it's like there's a nondescript door right off to the right. I think it might even be in the lobby. I sort of forget because you know we we we, we were basically club hopping. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the coolest moment of my entire life at that point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah, check that out. That's I mean that's wild to me because like you know I I was first introduced to the Vandals when I was probably sixteen, seventeen, and I I still say that. The three greatest live albums in music history are the Ramones, uh, Local Live, uh, Yanni, Live at the Acropolis, and Sweatin' to the Oldies. It's like the classic, uh, it's the van, it's the Vandals, the Vandals album is Sweatin' to the Oldies, right? Where they play. And that's how I heard, uh, you know, the classic college Josh Free's The Miracle Boy. Like, and I was like, wow, what is going on here? And then I watched that video, the concert footage. I was like, this is in literal insanity. This, this is just like Warren is insane. Everybody's insane. And, um, but it was such a cool vibe. And that was the first Vandals music that I'd ever heard was that live album. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I had listened and I, so, you know, I naturally went back and, you know, got a bunch of other songs and I'm like, or a bunch of other albums. And the, 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 the pace of the, of the albums are so different than the live albums. Yeah. And I was like, this is, it, it's just, they're slower. And they're more, I don't yeah. know, methodical, but like the energy off that album, off that, of Sweat to the Oldies, is still, I was listening to it today to prepare uh, mentally. Oh, wow. It's oh, such wow. a good, it's just like, it rips, man. Everything rips, you know? Oh, yeah, that was, that was fun. That was a fun time. And bad. Um, do you know about the song Power Mustache by the Vandals? It sounds familiar. I'm the, I'm very bad yeah. at placing. I, a lot of my music uh, came from my friend who would like basically just do mixtapes because I couldn't go out. But, like my friend would go to Gilman street and like go to get to go to shows. And my dad hated me. So I didn't get to go. <laughs> so he'd like, you know, get seven inches and record them and whatever. And so I'm, I, I know the songs, but I have no idea what song names are. Well, I, I have, have no a idea. friend that's a big, big Disney fanatic, like more than me, more than Joe from the Vandals. He's like, it's it's all it's almost a disorder kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, okay. and, and 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 he knows that he knows the guys in the battles and but he's and he's not much into punk rock music but uh and he really respects joe he knows joe and uh and we were in my car to go hey man you know about the song power mustache right from a record of ours from 1995 mm-hmm. and uh and he goes uh he's like no i don't know that song i go you don't know about that verse about walt disney <laughs> Because this guy's like Mr. Disney trivia guy. Yeah. What do you mean? It was the song is called Power Mustache. I didn't write it. I think Warren wrote it. And the lyrics are really smart and funny. But it's basically about, you know, the first one, the first verse is about all the dictators that had mustaches. The third verse is about cops and, 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 and people in power and then the police world with, with mustaches. But verse two is about Walt Disney <laughs> and his mustache and not letting any employees have mustaches. Oh, and it man. goes by, it, the lyrics go by so fast. And the fact is, because when I told my friend, he was almost like kind of offended. <laughs> because I want to, I want to, uh, uh, I mean, the lyrics are probably pretty easy to pull up on the internet. But I guess there's a book. Uh, I've always just heard about this book and I've never seen it anywhere. I guess I should just Google it. Suppose there's some book called The Dark Prince. Do you know about The Dark Prince? No. There's a book supposedly about Walt Disney called The Dark Prince that's old. I mean, because we wrote this song almost 30 years ago. Okay. Can you guys Google it? Yeah, it's Walt Disney Hollywood's Dark Prince by Mark Elliott. Okay. Well, the second verse says, oh my God, it's so, it's so (laughs) (laughs) funny. It's. 
I'm going to try and recite it by memory. Okay. I would almost, uh, I would almost request you to really, as quick as the Dark Prince come up, put in power mustache lyrics. I'll do it, and and I'll, I'll let you recite them because uh, they're, they're I, funny. I've got it here. <laughs> Dark Prince was a Nazi. His mustache true to form. Instead of arm brand swastikas, mouse ears must be worn. <laughs> terminates. I'm doing this by memory. That's terminates employees with hair above his lip. Because in the Fuhrer's kingdom, it's a dictatorship. We should something. We should take his we frozen sh- corpse <laughs> <laughs> and shave his face and make the Magic Kingdom a truly happy place. Yeah, <laughs> dude. That's just tongue in cheek. Sure, but it's like you know, yeah. This fast period, the rocks out. The guy versus Nazi is, you know, and it's you know, it, it's in a way, it's an homage, you know. But sure. but my buddy was almost like he's like. Man, I'm like, dude, it's so ridiculous song. We're making fun of cops. We're making fun of Stalin and Hitler. Well, that's what I like about about the Vandal songs. Uh, Oh, you have the other song, uh, uh, Pirate, it's like Pirate Ride, I think. Is that the one you're going to talk about? Pirate's Life. Pirate's Life, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's about going to Disneyland Acid. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And those are funny lyrics, too, because it's literally like, I think I'm stuck here now. Like, like, I can't leave. Of course, Pirate's Life. Yeah. Yeah. It says seven hits of L and nobody can tell. So I spent every dime just to get to Anaheim. Uh, I was actually I was looking at those lyrics today. I forget the what they are. It gets really wicked when you spend an e-ticket. I ventures on the sea, but it's not the life for me. But, but yeah, I, it, it goes on and on. Yeah. yeah, Pirate's Life. And in the middle of the song, it breaks down into this. We do a... It's good, man. It's good. I heard that today. I was like, oh, yeah, because I read about it. I forgot about it because it's been years since I've listened to it. I was actually thinking about something else. We have a song called Get It Line about getting a line and getting on a ride, but it's it's the stupidest song ever. And nothing. it has nothing to do with Disneyland. Well, this is how deep and weird it gets. The only Disneyland reference is in the bridge. It says whatever this goes on and on in the speakers in Spanish when you're waiting for the Matterhorn. Oh <laughs> sure, okay. Spanish for keep your hands and arms inside the car. Yeah, levantense sus manos or something like that. <laughs> yeah, whatever it says, yeah. the, the, the verbatim Matterhorn instructions in Spanish is what's sung in the bridge. That's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, yeah. And then I was like, oh, it's not worth bringing up. And then you go, but the pirate song. Like, oh, yeah. Bro, it's all worth bringing up because that was like one of my questions later on was like, uh, well, I say later on, um, was, you know, have the parks ever bled over into your music like that? And apparently yes. they have. Well, uh, and I have real quick, I made a record of one minute songs that came out a couple months ago called Just a Minute. And there's 21 minutes, there's 20 60 second songs. And it's volume one. I've got volume two has got 21 60 second songs. It's going to come out this summer. But there's a song on the record called Disneyland is Closed that I wrote at the beginning uh, of, you know, or a couple months into lockdown. Because Disneyland, I think my dad said Disneyland shut down like maybe twice ever. Right? Yeah. The JFK assassination 
or something like that. And maybe the day after nine mm-hmm. eleven. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it was yeah the day. And then there was this other time years later that a day. So like weeks would go by and months would go by, and I go, Disneyland is empty and closed. It's been seven months. Like, what the hell is happening? This is crazy, man. And that was and, sort uh, of like a barometer for, yeah. for Disney fans, too, where it's like, and another oh. thing, Disneyland is even closed. And that's how you know it's really, really bad. Yeah. I was like, serious. I wrote the song called Disneyland is Closed, and it's got lyrics in it. And uh, it's almost like a weird, like, it's so. It's I weird. Would say ballad. You want to play it? It's not. It's kind of creepy. Should we play it? And, and it's kind of slow. Sure, you, can you call it up there? Sure, man. Here we go. I never thought I'd see the day that came to be the end. Nowhere in sight, it keeps me up at night. It overturns and spills. The thought gives me the chills. They can't just close the door. Can't take it anymore. I like that song because it's done. Yeah. Because like right, because at the break was it uh, the forty minute or forty second mark where it sort of like builds. It feels like yeah. the beat's gonna drop. And I like, think be- about the record. I say, you know, if you don't like the song, by the time you can like <laughs> lean over and push skip, it's done. So just <laughs> yeah. deal with it, yeah. Well, I I expected like you know the, the build up and then some sort of drum thing to happen, oh, some drop, just- right? But it gets like this weird Mister Bungle sort of thing, this like distorted voicey thing, and I was like, yeah, very I was weird going for a cross between the. What I liked about sometimes uh, the artist PJ Harvey mm-hmm. is she would sometimes do these songs where it's not really acoustic. She'd have an electric guitar and it's full distortion as if she's playing with a band, but it's just her singing with a really loud distortion guitar, but no drums kicking in or anything. I always thought that was really cool. So I was trying to kind of, and even the time signature of it, it might be in six. Bev, you know, probably, I'm sure. Anyways, I was kind of, I think the working title before I wrote those lyrics, I think I would, like on my computer would say like PJ Harvey, like even the guitar mm-hmm. reminds me of something from a Rid of Me album. And I was trying to kind of a cross of rip off between like uh, PJ Harvey and Ween. Do you know the band Ween? Oh, you d- yeah, I have. A, you, my gosh, there is, yeah. you yes. could not have brought up that to a better person. I, I, yes. And I, I played on a Ween album. I don't know if you knew that. No, I trust me. I did. I know everything about <laughs> you, Josh. Yeah. And uh, actually have literally wrote in my notes. Yeah. You know, I uh, here. This is exactly what I, I wrote. I put, uh, uh, you filled in for Claude on a Ween album, Quebec, which is a great album, underrated album. And I said, I quote, I read that online and literally said, oh, my God, into my hands like some insane person. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, my God. I <laughs> Ween is is one of the more underrated. Uh, yes. For, you know, they were on South Park. So I don't know how underrated that you can be. But like, yeah, Mickey is like one of the most underrated guitarists I think there is out there. He is a phenomenal guitarist. 
Yeah, really, really great. And I've been a lifelong fan of theirs. And uh, so when he called me, when Claude got in that car accident in 2002, yeah. originally I was going out there to rehearse. He's like, hey, man, we're going to play some benefit shows to raise some money for Claude, who, of course, had no insurance or something. And he got in this horrible car wreck. Could you come out of the East Coast and play a couple shows with us in New York? I was like, oh, my God, yes, this would be great, right? So I fly out there. I was happy to help. I was happy just to get to play with Wayne. It was really oh, special for me. And, for and, you, and when I was there, he goes, oh, by the way, we're in the middle of making a record. Would you have time while you're out here with us to do some recording? I was like, oh, this, this keeps getting better. We know, man. So, uh, What song do you play? Uh, oh, and then on my oh, – so real quick – I've got this volume two record that's going to come out this summer called just a minute volume two. Yeah. And it's got all one minute songs on it. And there's a song on it called, uh, Disneyland is open. <laughs> okay. I love it. Yeah. And, it's, and what's even funnier is it's an instrumental. So go figure. There's not even <laughs> lyrics on it. It's called Disney. I had to name it something. I was like, what do you call it? Disneyland is open. But there's also a great song that has lyrics called, uh, called I Got Wasted with the Ween. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and not Ween, but the Ween. And that's referencing a line from the movie It's Pat. Remember the movie It's Pat? Oh, God, yes. dude. The yeah. Saturday Night Live, Pat, yeah. the androgynous. Yeah. Is it Pat a guy or a girl? It's Pat. Pat. Yeah. And yeah. Ween's in the movie. Are they? Yeah, Ween's in the movie. At Man. one point, Pat goes, I jammed with the ween. <laughs> with the ween, he says. So, uh, and it worked out. Uh, says. What's that? I said, or she says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either, yeah, who knows? Uh, they said it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, the song, it, it worked out syllable-wise and rhythmically to the way the song was. Sometimes I'll have a song and I'll have a melody worked out and I'm humming things or I'm la la laing things, but I don't have words yet, but I like the way I'm doing uh, just nonsense words. And then you start going, okay, I want to write about this or I want to write about that. I mean, sometimes a song will come up organically where you already have the theme and the title and then you go from there. But mm -hmm. lots of times I already have a riff or the music and then I kind of put the words to it. And so I was, I was trying to come up with something. I don't know why I came up with that, but it's, I guess it's a, it's a 60 second song about, uh, when I went to, because uh, I've hung out with them a million times since, and I've worked with them a couple times since that that time, the Quebec uh, era. But uh, I flew to uh, Philly, and, and Mickey picked me up. And we went to New Hope, Pennsylvania, where they live, and he took me to this this famous. They've kind of made the bar famous. There's a place called John and Peter's. They play all the time there, like unannounced. It's oh, a wow. little. It's the only bar. In New Hope, Pennsylvania, they, they can walk. You know, Mickey can walk there from his house, and all the time they do gigs. They're just unannounced gigs. They just go and play. Forget well, we about it. We went to John and Peter's, Ugh. and and we got. I at least got so wasted, <laughs> and um, and we went back to the hotel room, and I it's. It's 2002, and it's the last time I ever vomited from drinking. <laughs> oh, man. Good on you, man. I had to change rooms oh. because it was so destroyed. <laughs> I honestly, I, I've probably thrown up three times in the last, like, 25 years. Like, I never throw up. Not Same. I don't want to throw up anytime soon. Yeah. I threw up when I was 16, and I threw up, like, maybe the next time I threw up, maybe that time. Uh -huh. But honestly, I had to change rooms. It wasn't like, oh, let me clean this up. It was like... The 
bedspread, the wall, the carpet, the oh tub, my everything was just, God. I just covered the room and I had to change rooms. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, Life on the road. And you weren't even night. playing. You were just hanging out. It was, yeah, I was just hanging out and I, and I got so wasted with the ween. It's a cool song too. I like the song. All right, I'll look forward to it. What's what song of Quebec did you play on? I gotta know. Oh, I played on uh If you remember. I played on Happy Colored Marbles. That's a good song, man. I played on So Many People in the Neighborhood. Good song too. I played on Chocolate Town. Yep. Okay. And I also played on a song that Greg Graffin, the singer from Bad Religion. Who uh, sometimes people, you know, uh, are like, oh man, like, I don't, I don't think Greg likes a lot of people. <laughs> I can be totally wrong. Same. Yeah. I, I'm I like Greg Graff a lot, but he's a, he's a tough customer, mm-hmm. you know, and he's okay. a smart guy and doesn't suffer fools lightly. And, uh, and, Anyways, and he's kind of in a world where there's a lot of fools hanging around backstage and seeing a bad relation. He's also a professor at Cornell. Right. Yeah. But, you know, uh, but yeah. So, but he loves, loves, loves the song Transdermal Celebration by Ween. Amazing song. And I play drums on it. So every oh, really? time I'm anywhere near Bad Religion, whenever I see Greg, the singer, he's like, Transdermal Celebration, you play drums on it. Like, you can't get over it. And he's like, I'm a friend for life. I mean, I've, oh. known, I've known him for 30 years from running into him, but he's sure. like, Josh Freeze is special because he plays on my favorite song. <laughs> it ever. took that one. Like, that is. He loves that song. God, they need to, that song. Imagine a bad religion cover of that song. That would be. Because oh, Transdermal yeah. yeah. Celebration is like very dreamy and, you know, yeah. flowy. And it's just. Yeah. Something ween, man. And you know what? It is. You are. I, I say ween is sort of like the every genre band. And I feel like you're sort of the every genre, like plug and play drummer. I mean, you played for, on a share album. A cl- yeah. Clay Aiken. It was really cool. Nine Inch Nails, Guns and Roses. Like these are like the polar opposites of, of of music. It's just it's wild. If you offered me a million dollars right now to tell you the name of the share record, I'm playing, <laughs> I couldn't do it. How so? I stopped after about a dozen, after about twenty five records. You know, thirty mm-hmm. years ago that I played on, I I realized like the first like three or four albums I played on, I figured because I'm on this CD. Oh my God. I recorded this in a real studio. I'd have to listen over and over and play it for all my friends. And then like, there was a couple of them I realized they're not that good. I mean, the, <laughs> like the band that I played on that hired me, like maybe the songs weren't that good. Or maybe it's kind of lame actually. Mm-hmm. And so it got to the point where I was like, okay, when I started playing on dozens and dozens of records, there's a lot of stuff I plan on that I'm not interested in and I, yeah. and I don't care about, you know, and it's, it's, it's a, a job. And I'm fortunate. I'm grateful yeah. to have this job, but I, I'm not going to name other names, but there's bands in recent years in the last five years that are named bands that I've worked with that I don't own the album, never heard it after I was done with it and couldn't tell you the name of it. If you offered me a ton of money, you know, there's <laughs> yeah. other things that are really, really, really special to me. And I could tell you everything about it. And yeah, nails files under that, a perfect circle and Devo and the vandals, and, you know, <laughs> there's just tons and tons of stuff that I work on Paul Westerberg that I love, uh, you know, tremendously. And I feel like I can talk about that. Okay. Because I'll also tell you, yeah. And there's a bunch of stuff that, is not that good. And I'm not really proud of my drums. And I think it's just like, kind of okay. like 
generic sludge. I, I think so. I think you know, I mean, if, I did, if everything I did is, oh man, this is awesome and this is great and I played so good here. Yeah, no, there's lots of stuff I don't. Not only is the band not good, but my drumming, I just go. Ah, I don't <laughs> <think it's good." laughs> so, and I said about the vandal songs. There's lots of vandals. There's some, plenty of bad vandal songs that I'm not interested in hearing again after we recorded them. Yeah, and then there's some incredible vandal songs that I yeah. think are so great and so smart and funny and clever that uh, you know. I feel like just I can be honest about it instead of going also not taking the uh, angle of oh shucks you know that you know no that was really good yeah give me a compliment <laughs> kind of thing yeah yeah if I think right. it's good I'll tell you and I'll also say about all the crap I did too yeah, yeah. well because you do a lot of session work and that's how you're on all these albums people call yeah. you hey I need a drummer for this or I need to do this when you get those calls are you in the studio with those bands or is it like remote work where you just got you need to lay this track down and then you ship it. All of the above. Oh, okay. Like, I, I, when you, and when you say I played on a share album, I actually played on, the, I think, a share song that was on one of her albums. Like, I didn't do the whole album. Okay, right, okay. I, right. I played on a song, and I never met her. Yeah. I think I may have played on a couple Clay Aiken songs, never met him. I've played on uh, select tracks on multiple Kelly Clarkson albums, never met her. Wow. Um, it's is, pretty is, crazy. There's is that weird? Like that. Is that like a and, weird thing to sort of... I don't know. You've never met your boss. I don't know. Like the person who's hiring you in those situations, like a Kelly Clarkson record, if I'm being hired to play three or four songs and she's not around, I feel like because it's only going to take me an afternoon to do it. Mm -hmm. I feel like she's not really my boss. My boss for the day is the producer who she's trusting enough to finish these tracks and redo the drums in LA while she's off doing whatever she's doing. And so I treat the producer that day, usually somebody I know as my boss, what do you need me to do? How do we do this better? Let's make this work right. But unless the artist is there and they've got input to it, you know, which that happens most of the time is that way. You know, it's not, it's not like it happens a lot where the artist isn't there, but I have done so many hundreds and hundreds of sessions, uh, that, uh, yeah, there's been plenty of times where the artist isn't, you know, I mean, I've told a story recently to somebody I might have even done online, but a funny one is Melissa Etheridge. Uh, I was on a plane a couple of years ago and before I got on the plane, this guy came up to me and he recognized me. He was a drummer and uh, introduced himself. And I said, Oh, cool. What are you doing? He goes, Oh, I'm flying. to. I think we're on the same plane. Uh, I played drums with Melissa Etheridge and we we're going to Chicago to do this thing. He said, Oh, great. So we talk, small talk for a while. I get on the plane. As I get on the plane, I go, I see Melissa Etheridge sitting in row three or something. Uh, I go back to my seat in row 300. And uh, <laughs> after at the end of the flight, I'm getting off the plane and I get off and I see her standing there. And there's the guy that introduced himself to me. And I, and as I walk up, Melissa Etheridge comes up to me and she goes, Hey, Josh, uh, I want to say hi. Uh, I'm Melissa Etheridge. I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I know who you are. <laughs> and, she goes, uh, and she goes, I want to thank you. For, I want to thank you for playing on my album. And I went, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was cool. I'm thinking, <laughs> what is she talking about? <laughs> I, I played on Melissa Etheridge's album? Damn. And uh, I go, yeah, I, I played it off like, you know, like a true bullshitter. Like yeah, right. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Those tracks were great. Blah, 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 blah. And then we, I walk away and I'm like, Oh my God, I played on two songs for her. 
but not, she wasn't there. And I was doing a different session for a friend of mine, a producer up in Seattle. We were working on this band's record. At the end of the day, it was like post dinner. And he said, how much energy do you have? I said, why? He goes, I've got, I'm finishing some songs from Melissa Etheridge. There's two songs. The drums are just not happening. I want to fix them. I mean, I can pay you whatever you want. And I, are you up to it? You know, we'll be done by 10 o'clock or something. I go, sure. I whip out these two songs. Bam. Two hours later, I, I for, three days later, I forgot that it even happened. <laughs> right. Right. So, so when she said that, I'm going, okay, there's, there's little baby artists that I can understand forgetting that I worked with them because it's a band that I never heard of them before. And I never heard about them after, you right. know, but I'm going, Melissa Ethers is like a, like multi Grammy award winning <laughs> artist. I must've worked with a lot of people. If I could forget about that credit <laughs> or I'll be making lists of like a discography for something and I'll go, okay, they're asking for like kind of grassroots Americana rock. I can't think of any other records like that. Oh, Bruce Springsteen, I guess. Like, <laughs> like, how do you forget about Bruce Springsteen? You know, like he's the boss, baby. You can't. Oh, another good example. I worked on, I don't know, like two or three songs for him. Never met, never met. <laughs> and I was rehearsing with Sting a couple of years ago in New York, and we're playing. And in walks Bruce Springsteen to the room, talks with Sting for a minute in between songs, and then leaves. I was like, oh, I was almost going to introduce him and go, hey, I played on your last record. <laughs> <laughs> Not a big deal. And if I was younger, maybe I'd be like, oh, man, I could have met Bruce Springsteen. I'm so, it's like, after you do it for a long time, it's all like, you know. They're just people, I guess. You get less, yeah, and you get less and less starstruck. Unless it's someone that you really, I, once again, I respect Bruce Springsteen, but I didn't grow up with Bruce Springsteen posters on my wall. So I'm, yeah, with I met the- plenty of famous people, you know what I mean? And so unless it's someone that I really resonate with or I really look up to, it's not going to phase me, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Is there a band that you want to work with that you haven't worked with yet? Yeah. I mean, there is, there's a handful of them, but for instance, they're all weird kind of, uh, two of them are, are bands that will, that not only did one guy die recently, so I won't be working with him, but, uh, well, for instance, okay, let's take Prince, for instance, right? Oh, I'm yeah. a big Prince fan. My God. But I think that, uh, I think if Prince was alive right now, if I was 22 and he called me to play drums with him, I would jump at the chance. But if he was alive and called me tonight and wanted me to come play drums with him, I don't think I would because hmm. I know I don't need, at this point in my career, I don't need to get yelled at by Prince. And I've heard he was difficult to work for. I yeah. know a lot of people that worked for him. Mm-hmm. I know people that have played in his band. I know people that have worked in his studio in Minneapolis. I'm like, you know what, man? I'm an adult. And what I need it as a stepping stone to get more gigs. I don't, I don't need a break. You know right. what I mean? Yep. Right. Yep. Do I love Prince and respect Prince? I think he was a genius. Yeah, Absolutely. And it would be cool to work with them. And then eh, maybe not, you know, meaning it's like, I don't need to be uh, berated by it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to put yeah. myself in that position. I'd rather stay a Prince fan. For uh, sure. Another one, this is way different, way different than most of the stuff I do. But I'm a, uh, I used to call myself a closet Steely Dan fan, but now I'm, I'm uh, comfortable enough in my own skin to come out as a Steely Dan fan. There you go. Welcome. From, Welcome. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, same thing. I was yeah. always like, I was like, man, you know, I love to work with Steely Dan. I work with Walter Becker. Unfortunately, he died a couple of years ago. And, and but uh, 
I think those guys would be tough to work for. And I think that they seem, and what I like about them is they're kind of curmudgeons and kind of like grumpy and not into it, you know? And that's, yeah. like, that's part of the attraction for me to them. But it's like, eh, I don't need Donald Fagan to give me shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, I don't, I, and yeah. I don't need him to help me get another gig. Right. Um, some bands that I really liked that it'd be fun to play with. Uh, a funny example. Well, one is uh, like, I'm a, I'm a longtime Pixies fan yeah. and uh, I love the Pixies yeah, and, and I'm friends with the Pixies, oh, man. but it's like, but David's the drummer and he's always been the drummer. He's a great drummer, but the only time that would happen is I think, you know, if David, broke both of his legs in a car accident or something, you know, or, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. If something, I think if something bad happened where they had to finish something out or in the middle of something and David was not able to play, um, you know, it's funny. He'd probably hate hearing me say this too, because like, uh, I don't know him that well, mm-hmm. right? but I know Joey and, and Charles Black Francis mm-hmm. and my old friend Paws. Is, I, I got her the job playing bass, you know, now that Kim Deal's not the band anymore. Oh, but it's wow. like, I'm always like, if I'm around, I, uh, <laughs> I always feel like David like is looking at me like, oh God, Josh Friedman's here. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, said, I'm like, I'm gonna try and steal his gift. I'm like, you're, you're the vultures like, looking out for his like, bones. This is, this is your band, man. I'm yeah. not, you don't have to sweat me. You yeah. know, like it's all, you know. Like, this kid, dude. But it's funny. Here. He's like, I don't, he's the one I know the least. And it's almost like, like, oh, hey, hey, Josh. And then he'll like split it out the dressing room. Like it's awkward or something. Like, <laughs> I, I, I like him. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan. And I, I love his drumming on those records. And uh, it would only be a situation where they were, you know, between a rock and a hard place for me to do that. But that's the kind of like, and yeah. that's what the, like the ween thing was like, Claude, you know, got badly hurt. They needed help on something. I was like, I felt like I had won some like <laughs> MTV contest, like be in ween for a week, <laughs> you know, I like, oh, could be in ween for a week and then go back to my, God. you know, but I mean, two of my favorite bands in the world are Devo and the replacements. So the fact that I've gotten to work with Devo and Paul Westerberg and the replacements for years and not only gotten to know my heroes, but like work with them and, you know, know them well enough that, the phone could ring and be one of them. I send it a voicemail. <laughs> but if it was 25 years ago, I'd be like, holy shit, I got, you know, like, yeah. And it becomes normal. They become your kind of band members or your peers after a while, you know? So yeah. I feel really fortunate about that. I, uh, I actually have to go pretty soon. Yes. Okay. All right. So I can talk and talk. And talk. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to wrap it up, but, um, it's so fun. Yeah. And you know, and then I'm like, well, I asked this question. It's going to be another 10 minutes and poor Josh is probably just gonna be like, his brains are gonna be yeah. leaking out of his head. Cause he's so, uh, he's so high energy. How long do I have? Five minutes? Sure. Okay. Five minutes. Give us some rapid fire questions and I'll not, do long-winded answers. <laughs> uh, well, one was really a comment, like, you know, watching your dad's uh, video clips back to your dad for a second, I, I got, like, severe Rolly Crump vibes. I don't know if you've ever met Rolly Crump or seen interviews with him. I know who he is, but I never met him. Like, colored glasses. He was on our show, and I totally bombed the interview. It sucked so bad. <laughs> um, it was awful. But uh, but he just he reminded me of, of uh, your dad reminded me of, like, Rolly Crump in, in sort of the, the look, like the colored glasses and, you know, the kind of, you yeah. know, moppy hair. But in in sort of the, the vibe, and I read an, an interview that you and uh, and your brother Jason and, and your dad gave, um, and you guys were sort of bantering back and forth. And it's that same kind of, like, chilled out, 
vibe of yeah this thing was really cool like he's talking you know this is like a year ago and he's like yeah and i thought that was really cool and so i thought yeah that'd be rad to do that or whatever and he's just it's not like i guess i don't really know where i'm going with it but roly seemed like he lived that sort of lifestyle of i'm talented but i'm not going to be a dick about it and i'm just going to like enjoy my talent and kind of just yeah, pretty, be pretty chill. casual about it but right? yes thank you be real casual about it and I, I i get the same sort of vibe from you too and that's you know is that sort of a, a key to success i guess in this sort of entertainment business is to not be too full of yourself i would imagine i mean i think yeah i think in any line of business or life in general you're going to turn people off by by being an arrogant prick yeah you know what i mean and there's, <laughs> yeah, well. they are out there and so it's like to uh i don't think like i'm an arrogant prick at art and i'm really trying to not be you know what I mean? Right. I guess I'm lucky that I'm right. not, or I don't think I am. And and uh, and I sometimes will go out of my way uh, in situations where I know if someone has dealt with jerks or people that are really, really full of themselves, I like to pride myself on, and I'm confident, I guess you can walk that line of wanting to be confident, but not too cocky. Yeah. I mean, you got to be confident, but not not an arrogant, you know, a, aloof, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Madonna, right? Yeah. Well, watching videos of you play, you always have a smile on your face. And I think that is really important for for, you know, musicians. I, you know, a lot of people have like rock and roll face, you know, especially guitarists because they're on the front or whatever. But like you're smiling all the time. Um, the drummer from Dave Matthews bands the same way, just constantly like big, just smiling. You're clearly obviously loving what you do. And I don't feel like you can be sort of mean and then yeah. get on stage and, you know, you're not doing it for the crowd. You're really, you really enjoy what you're doing. I mean, you've been yeah. doing it for, you know, I don't know, a hundred thousand years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like. yeah. Usually I'm smiling cause I'm going, man, I'm making so much money tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, punk rock is, uh, is infamously the, 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 the money making track that you want to do. Absolutely. For I'll sure. As much money as the guy from Dave Matthews band. I'll tell you. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's probably true. All right. I have a, a couple questions from the chat. If you could compose or record, Record an alternate soundtrack for a ride at Disneyland. Which one would you pick? Jeez. Oh boy. Yeah. Mm, that's oh boy. a big question. That's from Pizza Pat. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I was about to say something like you know Haunted Mansion, but like I, I couldn't do it justice. Like stuff like the Haunted Mansion, like the the music's already so good, and I don't pride myself on someone that could write kind of uh, gloomy, scary music. Yeah. You know? Right. Uh, I went straight from stuff like that to like, oh, okay. Like, how about like, you know, I think I, 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 I take a good shot at uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. <laughs> oh, okay. I like that answer. I would have thought Space Mountain, cause I, but maybe that's too obvious. Because it is sort of obvious. already like... Dun, 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 dun. The, tiki room, the Tiki Room's already complete perfection. You can't fuck Tiki Room. No, you can't do that. Um, Not at all. But, you know, uh, uh, oh, man, I just said some of the tip of my tongue. I was going to say, uh, Mr. Toes. Oh, you know, I've been working a lot over the last uh, year and a half with Danny Elfman and played drums on his latest record that came out. I love Danny Elfman. We've been trying to get him on this show. Oh, my God. I would would split my skull open. I I would just go, hi, I would click to admit, hi, Mr. Elfman, watch me, look at my skull. I I don't know what I would do. Yeah. Let's let's call him on speakerphone. (laughs) Oh, my God. But he, I think he's, he's not mad at me, but he's sad at me, and so am I because I'm not able to 
That's not like the most. I, I, I had to literally, I've been in denial for like the last month, but they asked me to, and I so badly want to, and I was supposed to a couple years ago, but then it got shut down. Anyways, long story longer. Yeah. I had to tell this manager about 48 hours ago that I said, there's just no way I'm out of town. There's no way I can do it. But I had to tell him that I cannot join him this year at Coachella to be his drummer. Oh, Coachella. And that was, I didn't want to say those words. So like he would text me, his manager would text me, Hey, how's April looking? I'd be like, Oh, I'm just trying to get one more. I'm just trying to figure something out. I'm trying to see if maybe there's a chance to book. And, and finally, like his manager's like, I looked online. I saw you've got dates like with sting and dates with the offspring and you're out of the country in April. Should we be looking for somebody else? And I said, I hate to say it. I didn't want to say it, but right. I, can't, I can't do it. Oh, you know? man. Anyways, my point is when I was working with him, when I started working with him on this yes. record that came out recently, we talked about Disneyland at some point, and he goes, you know, I did music for, uh, there's a ride at, uh, at the Hong Kong at my oh. favorite Disney park. Yeah. Uh, their version of the Haunted Mansion is this thing called... Uh, the Phantom not, Manor, I think is what it is? Phantom Manor yeah. is... Uh, Paris. I think yeah. in uh, Paris. Yeah. They have a weird thing. Uh, uh, what's the name? Yeah, I should know this. This is my it's job. Weird because they don't believe they don't believe in ghosts over there. So ghosts aren't <laughs> scary. So it's more like this mysterious, funny Mystic Manor. Mystic Manor. Mystic Manor. Mystic Manor. Good job. So Mystic Manor, Danny did all the music for it. Wow. And he goes, oh, I had to fly to Hong Kong and I had to ride the ride about 700 times. <laughs> and we'd go through things and, I, and we'd have to come back and take notes. And I'd have to say, you know, the transition from the one room when the carts turn around and you see that thing, that's when the strings really need to come up audio-wise. And that's the big moment. And then they'd ride it again. And then they'd ride it again. Okay. And, and I think it's so cool that he did uh, all the original That is, that is cool. Card. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, spent my formative teen years singing to the uh, Night Before Christmas soundtrack on my breaks <laughs> at Thrifty Ice Cream. Uh, it's just classic. Go. I mean, uh, yeah, is he as insane in person as he as he looks like on Instagram? <laughs> like in a good way, like a super like I'm too creative to even like this thing. I can do this movie and then still have eight other projects. Sort of like a David Lynch mm. seems like a little like too creatively okay. crazy. Yeah, in I a mean, good way. Think about guys like you know the time I was spent with guys like Danny Elfman or Trent Reznor. Uh, it's like they, they people. There's they they didn't get there by accident, you know. Mm-hmm. And they're so smart and they're so focused and hardworking that yeah, he can be funny or wacky, but it's not like he's this weird guy. It's like he's. <laughs> He's a super cool guy. Uh, yeah. He, he seems very chill. He's got weird, he likes weird stuff, but it's like, he's really cool and easy to talk to and easy to work with. And, you God. know, God bless yeah, that man. I mean, yeah. He's a, a pleasure and definitely not like, Oh God, that was weird. <laughs> well, no, but and, yeah, I was sort of being uh, outrageous for a second, but yeah, it's, I mean, he, he definitely yeah, gives it, that vibe. Cause all the time yeah. people go, Oh man, what's Trent like? What's Maynard like? You know, I used to have that band of perfect circle with Maynard. Yeah. And everybody, oh, is he really weird? I'm like, well, that's just, performative, but also, yeah, we went to the mall yesterday and spent an hour. <laughs> <guest> <laughs> well, it's not that weird. You know what I mean? Sure. 
You watch Dumb and Dumber on the tour bus. But that's fun. <laughs> It is yeah. so weird to like to to meet you know to 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 know people who either are your heroes like you're talking about Devo or people who know your heroes so you can ask these questions and you're like I, I mean yeah I don't know they just they're just the people at the end of the day yeah. like I'm I hope you were calmed by Josh by talking to me I'm just a person <laughs> I'm just a guy you know I get it. <laughs> yeah. Um I do have a like several other questions but I'm, I I want to let you go but I do have these these guest questions that I ask. It's sort of like inside the actor studio that I totally ripped off um but made at Disney. Okay. So 2 minutes okay. left, you got it. All right. Um what's your favorite Disney attraction? The same people that I was with today asked me that and it's such a hard answer, man. Yeah. I will say there's something It's definitely not a uh roller coaster and it's not it's a small world it's it's something like it's either i mean that's a tough (laughs) question i will say there's something really special and cool and i feel like you can't go to disneyland or unless the unless the crowds are just off the chain and saying that day um i feel like you can't go to disneyland without going on the Haunted Mansion of Pirates of the Caribbean. Like that to me, they are little, those two go hand in hand. It's such classic, great Disneyland attractions. They're right? the same. They should actually, they should you know dump I mean? the people more, the, uh, the ghost, the doom buggy into the ride for pirates. I mean, it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, sorry. I keep on thinking that I'm hearing my wife and or kids. Oh, that's all right. Um, those two, and there's something really special to me about Fantasyland, you know, okay. Peter Pan and Mr. Toes and that yeah. stuff. You know, I love the Tiki Room. I like, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah. the roller coasters are great, but whatever. Um, What's your least favorite? Oh, God. Least favorite? Yeah, we're getting into the, the yin and yang of, <laughs> I don't know, whatever. <laughs> You know, an overrated one for me is Autopia. Yes. Agree. I was just going to say, if you need help, I can give you a suggestion. <laughs> Autopia is cool when you're five. And you're like, yeah. I think I'm driving a car. Past <laughs> that, it's awful. Yeah, because long, the ride's long. And then to, to get out of the car is long. It's literally just a traffic ride. It's a traffic oh, simulator. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the Nemo ride, but I used to like the submarines. Submarines? Yeah, agreed. Submarines is a cool conveyance. Um, what old ride should they bring back to the parks? Oh God. Yeah. I loved adventures through inner space. And that's, that was your era too, of, of being in Tomorrowland. Oh, so cool. Um, that was great. And I also, uh, America sings. Yep. We're going to America sings. No, you I know, missed it. That, that was so, that was really, really, I spent my whole childhood going to America sings. It was so cool. Man. America sings, adventures through inner space. The, oh, I had this, conversation with my friend that's a security guard there the other day the, the people mover people mover Is it, well the people mover gotcha. number yes i wish it could come back when i was a little oh, guy for disney sure was that i've only written it at disney world oh yeah the people mover and it's like it rules got track that goes around almost the whole park it's been sitting there for like 15 years i mean I, i'm now i'm coming up with all these things that i used to do as a kid <laughs> that's not there the sky buckets have been gone for years yeah it was all the time we used to love those but um uh i was telling my kids the other day what was cool they've heard me probably tell it a hundred times but star tours uh what was cool is i was working out at disneyland when star tours opened and they used to back then too there was like you know 
during the week they would close at like 6 p.m. Number one, mm-hmm. they were done at six, like Monday through Thursday or something. And then, uh, and also there was a time for a while that was closed, uh, either on Mondays or on Tuesdays, there was a time when it would close like a day a week, I think, you know, Yeah. but we would go, uh, they'd let all the employees do test rides on it. So like my band would get done playing and they'd be closing and we'd get to go over and ride star tours. Whoa. Nice. That's rad, dude. It's pretty cool. That's cool. cool. Uh, last question. If you could travel back in time and meet Walt Disney, what would you say to him? Oh God. Uh, geez. Uh, you know, it's funny <laughs> on the spot. Like there were certain questions that I feel like such a dumbass not being able to come up with something. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's the point yeah. of these questions. They're spotlight questions. They're like, hit you where say, it hurts. I, <laughs> how bad did you rip off that one artist guy of yours with the Mickey mouse? His <laughs> <laughs> or was that yours? Or, <laughs> That's a good answer because most people say, uh, stop smoking. (laughs) Oh, you just stop smoking? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's fair. I said, dude, let me come up to the the apartment upstairs. Let's party, Walt. I mean, have a couple drinks. Make me a drink. Yes, make me a drink. Drink up in the, you know. Let's hang. Yeah, let's hang, man. Uh, all right, everybody, you guys can go to thejoshfreeze.com. That's F-R-E-E-S-E and order his new album right now on pink vinyl, actually, by the way, which sounds pretty rad. Finally, uh, to be honest, is worth the price of admission. <laughs> Absolutely. Nice. Just a Minute, Volume 1 uh, is a new project from Josh. It's his solo project, and uh, it slaps pretty good. It's, it's definitely, um, it definitely moves around a lot. Um, yeah. So it's not just like, uh, oh, it's just a punk rock album. It's it's really not. It's it's much more than that. So cool. check it out, and Josh. Again, the songs are only a minute long, so if you don't like it, it's going to be over real quick. <laughs> That's right. Uh, also, a bunch of stuff on Spotify, um, so you can go uh, follow Josh on Spotify and 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 do that stuff too. But buy the albums, buy these, buy these albums, please. Don't just stream everything. Buy it. Thank you. I would say buy the album. Not, I'm not going to get rich off of it at all, but I just don't want to be totally embarrassed. Every time I talk to my friend that put the album out for me, I don't want to have him go, well, you sold 210 copies. I, guess. <laughs> I just want to sell the thousand copies that we made and then I'll be fine. I don't care about any of it. <laughs> Uh, Josh, thanks, dude. I I will let you go. I appreciate you staying late and uh, taking the time. Oh, it was a lot of fun, man. Cool, guys. I had a, yeah. I had a good time. Thanks, man. Thanks. I will see you, bro. I, oh, I guess I hit that leaf button, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> Signing off. All right. Later, brother. Have a good one. Bye, guys. Bye. Wow. Man. That was that was incredible. I got to like no questions. You didn't need to. Which was cool. Like I'm okay with it. Like because because I, I here let's take a we're gonna take a break we're gonna take a quick break I need to go to the restroom I want to get something to drink or we'll finish up and you know I need to take a break so uh, hang on I guess we'll debrief yes I don't know okay. whatever hang on everybody it's uh, ears up uh, we'll be I don't know whatever It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Gee, sorry guys, but that guy bought 14 churros. I'm all sold out. And now, back to the show. Oh, boy. Let me tell you guys. Um... What a fun interview. What a fun interview, right? Jeez. You still kind of feel like you want to throw up, don't you? Uh, you know, a little bit. But once he started, like, running, like, once he started just going... Um, you didn't have to do anything. I didn't really have to do... Well, I had to do more. I had to do, I had to do it differently. Mm. Because what I had to do is take, like, the spider web that he was, like, weaving <laughs> and try to, like, piece it together to to fit my notes. And it's not for anything that he was doing, but, like... That's what throws me a lot in interviews where I have like timelines and then it doesn't go anywhere. And I go, but I, I'm doing it wrong because what's happening isn't matching the way I thought it was. Going. And it's, it's a thing I'm working on. Um, and he was great at, at just going all over the place, but it was very conversational. Yeah. Yeah. And I liked it and it, it felt, it felt just more friendly than it did like an interview. Um, but I had yeah. a lot of stuff about like the Disneyland band. Um, I asked, you know, questions like of Dave from Dave land web. And he's like, yeah. you can ask these couple questions. I'm curious about this. I never got to it. No sort of feel bad, but whatever. Yeah. So we we're talking before the break. Yeah. There were some, <laughs> there were some swears and, uh, I'm not going to tell the man, uh, Hey, can please, can you not, <laughs> That okay. would be so uncool. Yeah, I mean, and I, I don't, I mean, maybe I'll beep a couple out, but maybe I'll just leave them in. I don't know, because I, I think if you the le- show is having, can you do like a disclaimer at the yeah. beginning? Like That's all I would do. This this, I, this show has a little more adult language than yeah. our shows typically have. And yeah. maybe bleep out the F, the F-bombs. The F-ers? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. They're really brief. <laughs> we'll see. Oh, best counting. Look at you. I did. I was <laughs> like, oh, there's two. Yeah, but uh, um, anyway, at the break we were talking about getting Danny Elfman, and it's like I've had daydreams of you know when we were when we were actively trying to pursue him, and I was like emailing him. I'm like I will co- will come to his office, set it up, and I had like visions about what his office would be like, <laughs> and it's exactly like what Josh said. Like oh, there's like weird art on the wall, whatever, and I'm like I just I feel like Jeremy now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that would be that would be like, amazing. But, it would, you know, it's not going to I also I, I'm not going to say that he wasn't truthful, but I feel like, you know, he's a musician. And so I think he might be a little um, he's a musician who a successful musician who hangs out with other successful musicians. So I think yeah. that maybe he's a little dulled to certain eccentricities mm-hmm. like his barometer I feel like is Danny different. Elfman is going to be an eccentric dude. I don't think he's going to be weird. I don't think he's going to be crazy, but I think you're going to be like. Well, that was was Danny Elfman. And I think that's what (laughs) he was sort of saying. I think you're right. But I think he was also sort of saying that, like, you know, they're out there, but. um, But they're also just like us. They're also just like us. Yeah. And I mean, his his example is like Trent Reznor. I wouldn't consider Trent Reznor like super weird because for me, seeing that is like performative. Right. Where, you know, from Turner from Nine Inch Nails, it's like you're on stage, you're doing this weird stuff, blah, blah, blah. But Danny Elfman's like not really on screen. I think he's just a weird. I mean, he has like a he has a actually a, a solo punk record. I think he came out over quarantine, which is what Josh was alluding to. Uh, and I meant to pick it up, and I haven't done it. I should I should listen to that. So Danny Elfman and um, Nightmare Before Christmas guy. No, mm-hmm. wait, that's the Corpse Bride guy. Tim Burton. I feel like they're. Well, yeah, they work together. I mean, they they work together, and I feel like they both have a certain. 
almost like their engine, like engineer brains. Yeah. You know, what I've heard about Tim Burton is that like, he doesn't really finish his sentences. Like he's a little quirky where he'll just trail off because he's so like looking at lights. I don't know, whatever. Right. But um, yeah. Anyway, I, look, if we can get Danny Elfman out of that, I would love to have Josh back on the show. But hey. and so I told I told this PR I lady to lunch. <laughs> I, know, I would, bro, I would love to hang out with Josh. And in fact, he did a um, and I wanted to get to this, too. He did. A, he had a, a solo album a couple of years back um, where it was, you know, it's seven bucks for the album. But there's packages. It was almost like a, a Patreon or like a GoFundMe thing type of thing. But it wasn't. It was just like on the website where one of the packages was like, um, I'll come to my house, meet me, and then drive away in my Volvo station wagon and you can have my car. <laughs> yeah. Or like uh, like one package was like 75 grand and it was like, we'll go out and we'll record. I'll write four songs for you and I'll put them on YouTube and I'll do this. And we'll but but one of those packages was like, hang out with me at Disneyland. Oh, geez. And I what? wanted to ask about that and see how like, but we just, we never, we never got there. Cause I want to know if I think he actually did it. And one of those videos is on line and the guy who won just <laughs> looks like no fun at all. No offense. He just looked like, I don't know what's going on right now because wait, this was Josh did this. <laughs> yeah. Josh. Did oh, this. wow. Because I sort of feel like, you know, not that he didn't look like no fun, I don't mean to say that, but um, it just, you know, I feel like Josh's personality is up here. And I feel like this kid was like, I don't, this is, <laughs> this is a lot of attention right now. I, I really thought this about was going to be something else. Yeah, for wow. sure. Um, but that would be so cool because Josh has a ton of stories about Disneyland. There, I read one um, where like his brother ate too many red hots, like in critter country and started vomiting. Oh no. And when you, the thing about red hots, the thing that is in the name is that they're red. And so he starts throwing up like it's like a stream of red and people are like calling the paramedics. Like everybody's freaking out. And then Josh has to be like, no, no, it's just too many red hots. It's not blood. It's fine. Oh man. I think stories like that are really funny. But anyway, um, I told his, uh, the PR lady who hooked us up. It's like, yeah, we'll probably be like half an hour. Yeah, so but she probably knew better. I mean, she knows him. Yeah, knows I guess. Him. Yeah, that was what that was. That would be two questions. That would be. That would be I don't even think intro. one. I think I looked. I think <laughs> it was like twenty four minutes before I asked the question. <laughs> and he and you asked a question because he allowed you to. <laughs> yeah, which to be honest with you, he's absolutely right. It's way better than someone who doesn't talk because I've absolutely Bev and knows for sure. I've had those interviews. One hundred percent. They're very hard, and I would much you prefer. Said, when you, I know it's going to be a good one when you send me a. Uh, just an audio clip and it's four seconds of silence. And I'm like, Ooh. yeah, um, I much prefer a someone cabbie. who just talks. Yes, because I get to I get to enjoy it listening to it as well. Yeah. Yeah. You're not you don't have to think about the next thing you're going to say. Yeah. But man, I had some I had some questions. But he, it, That was great. I mean, honestly, like of even even like I loved our Raleigh Crump interview, but mm-hmm. I will say that this was you. You should go back and listen to it. I, it was I, not I, I did. I had bad. to edit it. It was terrible. I, I put my head through a wall four hundred times while editing that show. I was so bad. Anyway, go ahead. Anyway, um, enough about you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Never. <laughs> that uh, I was so just I couldn't stop listening to him. 
like he, his stories were, he talked a lot, but they were really good stories. Yeah. Like he's they, a, he's, he's a, a good storyteller. Great, he didn't yeah. ramble. There was always yes. a point that he was trying to make and, you know, he was always getting to something and then he would get to it. And then all of a sudden he'd be over here. <laughs> well, and then he could bring <laughs> it back around. He could bring it back around and finish up his thought in the first place. He can keep track of it. Yeah. A lot of people who ramble can't. Yeah. So, I can't. Yeah, I just you're like, what was I? I don't really know, but I mean, that's the drummer. I mean, he's just like, I'm on. I gotta go. I gotta yeah. keep track of what's going on, man. But for me, that was like our most enjoyable interview. I loved it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and I was looking at like some of the bands he, that were playing on the Tomorrowland Terrace. Which, in case you guys don't know, it, it's it's now where like the Jedi Training Academy is, um, and it used to be a little more like Rolly Crump. Like Rolly Crump designed the the backdrop for the Tomorrowland Terrace, hmm. and. Um, they took it away and they added some back. But anyway, they, they were, you know, have, have a lot of bands in the 70s. There was a band um, called Your Kind of People. Oh, yeah. Well, that's nice. Which sounds very 70s band. Uh, they had one album recorded live at the Los Angeles Marriott Hotel is the name of the <laughs> album. A little racist. <laughs> Your Kind of, well, maybe. Um, the, the other one I found was called Tabasco. Mm, a band okay. called Tabasco. Cool. And then I ran across a blog deep on the web somewhere where someone <laughs> found out Tabasco is literally the name of the font that they used for the, the band name. So sure. it's like it's like us making a band called like Ariel Sands, <laughs> but using the Ariel Sands font like the, the font really is funny. literally called Tabasco. And it's the font of the name. It's just like, weird. <laughs> so it's one of those like lost in translation packages, you know? <laughs> wow. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. It was good stuff. Apparently uh, Polo, that band that he was in, actually on Josh's Etsy page, where you can get through from his website, you can buy an un- an unopened copy of the Polo vinyl. They had one record out. Oh, wow. 125 bucks, which I feel like is sort of a deal. Um, That's not bad. <laughs> they were the only band at the time that could play their own songs. Like everybody else was doing cover bands or cover oh, okay. songs, but their their band could play their own original music. Huh. That's how good they were, I guess. Wow. That's. Anyway, um, look, you can find us on social media. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Pin, uh, yeah, Instagram. Um, Instagram. Yeah, I don't know. You guys know how to get hold of us if you want to do stuff. I don't know. We were supposed to do secret show tonight, but it's already ten twenty one here, which is why this is what I was talking about. But we're like, I don't think I want to do secret show tonight. No, that's fine. Yeah, and I, I just I can't do it this weekend. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's all right. That's all right. Um, it's this this one's on me. Normally they're on you guys, but this one is on me. That's <laughs> my bad because it's just it's just too late. I don't want to get but, out. Of here yeah, and it, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, here, let's do this real fast. 21st Amendment Brewery's latest beer release, Tropical Brew Free or Die IPA, puts an island vacation in their whimsically designed cans. That's right, cans. This refreshing year-round release, Tropical IPA, is brewed with pale and Munich malts, brimming with a Zaka, Citra Cryo, and Mosaic hops, and topped with a splash of pineapple flavor. The result is a clean, refreshing beer featuring a mix of sweet malt, balanced bitterness, fruit-forward hops, and a nice tropical vacation at the finish. Tropical Brew for Your Die IPA is available at your local good beer shop, neighborhood taproom, and anywhere else people come together to find great craft beer. Wonderful. Wonderful job, Eric. You did great. Um, let's see. I put a bunch of stuff up on the Etsy page. Uh, Tro sweatshirts are back and masks are back and, you know, some other stuff's back. So uh, if you've been dying to get some uh, some Etsy merch, you can go ahead and do that over there. 
that's great. But the best way to support us, if you want, is Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash ears up and you get a whole bunch of cool stuff uh, based on the tiers that you can select and the secret show, like we mentioned before. Um, and then, you know, the higher you go up on the tiers, you get like early access to the secret show. You get invited to uh, the walkabout videos that we do, which I think, I think the next one's going to be on the 29th, but I'll send a thing out. And um, I would love for you to join one of those, Bev. You don't have to, obviously. I don't um, really know. Like, what do we do? I don't really know what it is. So um, <laughs> we get on a call like this and I have like a list of YouTube videos, mostly are Disney related, you know, in some way, shape or form. And then we just watch these like short videos and just comment on it. And then I end it with. So like, for example, I think last one we did, um, we did the Iron Man ride in Hong Kong, like did a, a ride through of that and like talked about that and, you know, just kind of stuff like that. Oh, okay. Um, and then we finished with just weird videos that I found. Like I found Iron one. Man ride. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't even think I knew that. It's pretty sick too. Oh. Honestly, it looks pretty. It's like sort of star toursy. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It's pretty rad. But we got web slingers. And we Sorry. got, yes. And, we, I, and this is what I was saying uh, on the interview. It's like the, the European uh, parks get cooler <laughs> yeah. stuff than we do. Yeah, Seriously. I don't know why. Uh, then I, I, I wound up with like weird videos. Like one is like uh, this dude had a terrarium for twelve years. <laughs> I don't know. What? Yeah, <laughs> um, it's I, a good time. I find that stuff funny, man. <laughs> and like Dan was on, and um, usually uh, RGH joins, and uh, you know we just I don't know hang out and just <laughs> it's different than what we do here. It's just a chance to hang out, and uh, if, you know depending on the level if you're at, you can come and hang out with us. And, you know, join the call and, you know, just whatever. But, uh, you know, people send in videos for us to watch and it's fun. I like it. I don't know. It's just a different. I was looking for a different thing. Cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Speaking of different things, concierge. Go to concierge.com. If you're trying to go to the parks, maybe you'll run into Josh there. You never know. Go to concierge.com. Buy your park tickets from concierge.com. Even if you're going for a day or two and you don't need anything in these ancillary packages that they do, um, you know, it helps concierge out. Uh, it's the same price that you buy from the parks, but it also has that added benefit of if you want to get something to eat at Carthay Circle or you want to do this thing or you want to go to Blue Bayou or whatever, they can book all that stuff for you, and that is no extra charge. So uh, check them out, concierge.com. They also are doing cruises and doing packages to Disney World, all that kind of stuff. And I really don't think you should try to tackle going to Disney World without the backup of concierge. That's well, just it. Yeah, okay. and there, so yeah. there's something interesting that I learned from their Instagram is that you can actually transfer your your booking to concierge. And they can then help you even. So even if you've already kind of started it yourself, you can transfer oh. it over to them and have them t- take over. Oh, for your tickets cool. and package and yeah. stuff. That's cool. Yeah, that's nice. I like that. So if you ever were worried that like when we say that there's no added cost that there really is, there's clearly not like you can do it yourself and then transfer it over or you can just let them do it. Yeah, <laughs> there's uh, yeah, there's literally no added cost. No, it's, guys. it's pretty sick. I love sick. I love sick things, dude. Why do you have to? Well, it was a weird thing for me to say, <laughs> and then you had to call me out on it. <laughs> I just love sick stuff. I'm just. I'm sorry, dude. So I started researching going back to Disney World. Yeah. Yep. In like, I think we're going to go in like 2024 or 2025 or something. I have some weird potential ideas. Yeah. Like what? Um. So. I made a spreadsheet. Okay. And honestly, it is cheaper to stay on property. Yeah. But 
only at one particular place. Mm. And that would be the campsites. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bev. You're going to do at, it. Uh, Fort Wilderness. But you can rent, like, they have all these RV rental places where they'll, like, bring you an RV and they, like, hook it up. So you don't have to rent a car because they have all the transportation you need to get into the parks. Uh huh. They have all this, like, <laughs> cool stuff for kids pools, hot tubs. I don't know. I'm, Almost I'm, like a real hotel. Seriously, <laughs> I'm seriously considering it. I like, cool. the, I like the idea of having uh, um, like a, a stove because we could cook there. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. That, that is very <laughs> the nice. The food thing was annoying at the in the hotel yeah. room. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I hate going to Disneyland without a, a kitchen in the in the hotel room yeah. just because and it's like you only really end up making popcorn. But still, it's it's nice to have that option. I mean, you can buy some frozen pizzas. We, yeah. we did that. You, you know, there's just there's options. And I yeah, like that. absolutely. So 2022 Bev thinks that's a good idea. Will 2025 Bev, Bev hate 2022 Bev for making well, her sleep in an RV? <laughs> I don't think so, okay. uh, because I don't think sleep. I don't mind sleeping in an RV. And okay. the ones that I'm looking at are not like the beds. It's a it's a human well here's the thing you don't mind sleeping in it but do you want to at the end of the day that's what i think you have to look well, the at the thing is is i don't think it matters because i was so tired every night i could have slept on the floor okay got it i mean there is there is a certain point where you realize you're you're springing 500 600 a night for a room at, a, at disneyland like you know grand california you're literally there for eight hours that's it exactly yeah, exactly. So but what are you going to do? That was not the case when we went to Disney World, though. Like we spent time at our resort and we yes, ate be- there for the fancy. I did not spend time in my resort. Yeah, well, yeah. only because we got concierge concierge level, concierge level, uh, concierge level. And so it's like, oh, okay. You mean there's free rosé and yeah. uh, tea? We got cakes? we got a place to be. It's the lobby. We got to go. <laughs> I'm actually staying at Paradise Pier. It's my <laughs> first time staying at a Disneyland resort. Mm. I'm staying there the first week of February. Cool. cool. Awesome. Yeah, we were going to do we're going to do some things with Bev. That's going to be in April. In April. Okay. All right. That's and right. I think it's either going to be the first week of April or the third week of April. I'm still narrowing that down. That's right. We have a, we have a, a couple cool ideas. I don't want to spoil it just yet in case those other nefarious podcasts steal our ideas, Bev. We're we are we're unique in the podcast space where we have I don't know. I'm just I just remembered that I had a dream that just me and Bev went to Disneyland. I like that dream. And we just got drunk <laughs> literally just gonna say we drank the whole time and yeah. we're best yeah. Yeah. it was it was awesome uh, i like that dream even more because i'm not there there's no way i could deal with that yeah yeah oh god well we had fun well that's good i'm glad you guys have had pretend fun yeah <laughs> that's it's great. been great yeah i think that's great um God, I feel like there's like a bunch of other stuff that, that I wanted to talk about on the show, but I don't know. I think it's we should probably just... I think it's been, it's been a good show. Yeah, I think, I think it's been good. a good show, too. I don't want to ruin it. I do want to read this book um, that Josh was talking about, though. Walt Disney, Hollywood's, Hollywood's Dark Prince. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. You can buy it on Amazon for 23 bucks. Um, the book is called The First Truly Unauthorized Biography. And in the case of Disney, unauthorized is important because all previous authorized biographies had to pass the scrutiny of Disney Studios. <laughs> Without manuscript approval, the Disney archives were off limits to Elliot. Apparently, he wrote uh, a book about Bruce Springsteen, too. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. The darker side of Disney includes his co- cooperation with the House Un-American Activities Committee and the FBI, as well as Uncle Walt's strong anti-union campaigns. Oh, I kind of want to read it now. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. <clears throat> this, the, literally, this sentence talks about Walt on his marriage night, and I'm not going to really go into detail, but like, I sort of now really desperately want to I'm gonna buy this. And maybe I'll give it, oh, we should give it to Terrence as a, an assignment. He'll never, He'll never do it because he, yeah, he's not here. <laughs> Terrence is, uh, is busy at work. There's no time anything. Which I totally get. Except play songs on Facebook. <laughs> well, look, everyone needs a mental break. <laughs> that's right? true. Everyone needs a mental health break. That is true. All right. Well, that's it. Uh, thanks again to Josh Freeze. You can go to thejoshfreeze.com and uh, check out his uh, biography, his discography. This dude has his discography laid out <laughs> alphabetical. And it's like in most any band you've ever heard of, this fool is on it. So uh, check him out, man. It's, um, yeah, I don't know. But uh, I was listening to uh, like the latest Devo album, which, and it sounds just like Devo did in like the 70s and 80s, man. It's like, yeah. it, they just sound, it sounds tight. It's, it's creative. Uh, it's electronically loose. It sounds really good. Nice. I don't know. I'm really, uh, I'm pretty happy about it. Nice. Yeah. Um, all right, I guess that's it. I don't know. But check it out. Buy Josh's new album. Um, yeah, it's fun. Like you said, songs are under a minute. If you don't like it, you'll never know about it. Skip <laughs> to the next one. Nice. I guess. All right. Yeah, I guess I guess that's it. I don't know. Why um, you why are you I don't know, because I because I have like other stuff I wanted to talk about. I'm just, I don't know. I'm just I'm doing a thing. Nothing none of your lists are working tonight for you. No. Yeah. No, they're not. It's it's messing with your brain, I think. Yeah, it is. Oh well. But it's sort of what I do. It's like uh, uh, sometimes I'm a car stuck in the mud where you just got to spin the tires a couple times and you got to go. I guess that's it. I guess that's it. <laughs> I guess that. And then you go, okay. Then you're like a car, you know, yeah, and turning over. And then you call the tow truck. Yeah. <laughs> but the tow truck can't come until tomorrow. So no. the tow truck's busy at work. <laughs> the tow truck can't make it here. Um, all right, everybody. Fact of the show in the storybook canal boat ride at Disneyland, the mountains that serve as a backdrop for Cinderella's castle were sculpted by hand. Ken Anderson, designer of not only Fantasyland but the canal boat refurbishment, used nothing but a trowel to mold wet concrete into the spiky crags you see today. I thought that was interesting because, I don't know, you just don't really think about like hand sculpting like that. And, and there's a lot of mountains on that ride. So, um, yeah. all props to Ken Anderson, I guess. Cool. Anyway, uh, thanks a lot, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you again to Josh for spending an ordinate amount of time with us. And uh, thank you all for listening in as well. And uh, until next time, we'll see you in the parks. Sick.